Everybody and welcome to the afternoon tune. I am your host Josh, and with me are my two co-hosts here. What's up? It's your boy Nick, and this is Dusk. And we got a big show for you people today. Been gone for a little bit, a uh, couple of weeks, uh, but we are back, and we are back with the reviews heavy today. Uh, we're going to be discussing, of course, the big movie out, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, going to be discussing that uh, Thor's fourth film. Is this the first time a superhero has ever had a fourth film? An individual superhero. I don't think it's the first time. Oh, I Superman. Superman had first a... Time a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Superman. I think it's the first time a Marvel character has had four movies. Yeah, Superman. Yeah, he had a, he had four movies. And, uh, well, yeah, the Batman movies also, also as well with the Tim Burton. And then it continued to Joel Schumacher. So those all are connected. Oh, yeah. Well. Those are... Oh, yeah. Those are... <laughs> yeah, those are technically all connected. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so... Yeah, but this is the first time a MCU hero has had a fourth film. Um, you could say that. So the Thor's, hey, he's breaking ground there. Good for him. Um, yeah, we're also going to be discussing that. Going to be discussing as well the boys, the boys finale. It happened. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we last left off episode four, but we're also going to be including the series as a whole, uh, discussing everything that's happened mm-hmm. this season, what our thoughts on this season is, comparing it with the other seasons, uh, where the show could go in season four, how long the show yep. should last, uh, everything like that. So. Our thoughts on the highlights, and in the case of one particular episode, the lowlights. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm uh, gonna be kind of getting into all of that stuff. You're kind of Nick. You're kind of I don't know. Dusk, do you notice that it is like stuff with Nick kind of, kind of like slow or it's like kind of out of sync or something? Uh, I think it's on your end, but I hear you, him just fine. I'm talking about the way he mm. kind of like looks at all. Like, does he look kind of like slow motion kind of or like that? Oh, on you mean the camera? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, probably just uh, just tell the camera. Yeah, okay. that's fine. That's honestly. We can hear you loud and clear. That's what matters. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, going to get into that. So, Kenobi. Kenobi also ended. Uh, ended last week. Uh, we weren't here to be able to talk about the finale. Um, hey, does Dusk, does he finally, did it end good for him? He's been the harshest critic of Kenobi on the panel. Uh, so, going to be kind of <laughs> discussing everything Kenobi um, this season, you know, and possibly if they're going to do a season two or not. Do we want a season two? Uh, also, there was a fan who did a fan edit of Kenobi uh, who cut it down to like two and a half hours. So, hey, praise be- that man. Salute to that gentleman. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's what it should have been if they were going to do this at all. Um, also, Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel had its penultimate episode this week. Yep. Uh, the final episode is coming next week. Uh, we're going to be also giving our finale uh, review of that Miss Marvel next week, but uh, today we're going to be you know catching up because last we left off of Miss Marvel, we did only what I think two episodes, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think we yeah we left off after the first two episodes. Yeah, so we're going to be kind of getting into that and what we kind of been thinking about the show so far. Um, yeah, and then of course going to be getting into some news, uh, some sad news uh, this coming around. James Caan, um, he passed away. Actor mostly known for things like playing Sonny Corleone in The Godfather, um, as well as the in the Stephen King adaptation uh, movie adaptation Misery. Um, 
you know, kind of some of his famous roles. Also was in Elf, which was another big one for a lot of people. Uh, he passed away at the age of 82. Uh, also, you have uh, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh, who also passed away. Unfortunate incident uh, with that. Uh, Takahashi, who passed away at the age of 60. Uh, we're kind of going to be getting into that, detailing that. Uh, also, the actor from The Sopranos, Tony uh, Sekiro. Uh, also passed away at the age who played Paulie uh, in The Sopranos, died at the age of 79. Uh, so kind of some sad news kind of there. Uh, we're going to be getting into that. Uh, Clerks 3 trailer. Uh, so that we're going to be discussing that. That's kind of the only trailer that's kind of come out trailer news-wise. As far as I know, Kevin Smith is back again with Clerks. Uh, we're going to be discussing why the hell is he doing that. Uh, and we're going to kind of get into Daredevil, Kingpin. Um, they've been announced that, that they are going to be coming uh, back and they're going to be in the Echo series. Charlie Cox with Sinofrio. Uh Also just announced today that the director of Captain America 4 has a director. Um, and we're kind of going to be getting discussing what? that. We're going to bring back Chris... Oh, no, they're not going to bring back Chris Evans. They're just gonna, it's going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, basically. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be doing yeah, that. that's right, that's right. Um, yeah, so how is everybody doing? Haven't, haven't, uh, done a show with you guys in a while. How's everybody? Uh, just been super busy, man. Um, <clears throat> everything's kind of, uh, just gearing up for my final transfer back to the U.S. in, I think, uh, next month. Oof. Next month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I'll finally be within the same hemisphere as you guys when I do right. the show. Mm. Also, to be fair, uh, welcome home. Uh, thank you. And at a time, no matter how you feel about it, <laughs> good to have you back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good to have you. Have you coming back? Um. Yeah. Uh. So it should be a good show. Uh. Saturday. Uh. We're going to be discussing Stranger Things. Uh. Part two mm-hmm. for season four got released. Um. So we're going to be delving in that Saturday. And Saturday we're going to have a big show. Some quite a bit of guests kind of going to come hours. through. Oh, uh, what'd you say? Over five hours. Yeah, uh, over five hours of content for that part too. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a meaty part. So we're gonna be just, just holding that off till Saturday because today we got a full show. But uh, we got also big show tomorrow. A lot of guests coming through. Elijah, he's gonna be coming through. Uh, Thor, Obama, uh, Elijah, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be kind of making his way through, discussing that, discussing Thor with us, getting into some spoilers as well as uh, Josh Hunter, who's from the Real Pineapple. Um, he's a big combo guy as well. Um, also, Kasem. Uh, Kasem, MMA guy, MMA fighter. Uh, oh shit! Oh really? really? Um, also nerd. Uh, he's gonna be coming through. Also doing Thor hey, with us. Everyone uh, says you can't beat someone up and then still not be a nerd. Yeah, you know, hey man, it's it's the wave, man. Hey, nerds come in all shapes and sizes, man. Yes, I do. Uh, so uh, he's gonna be coming through for that. Uh, Black Phone for our Black Phone review. We're gonna be discussing that. Uh, this mm. new Scott Derrickson movie. Uh, Scott Derrickson movie uh, written by C. Robert Cargill. Uh, we're going to be getting into that, and also joining us is a critic, uh, Ashley Lynch. Uh, she's going to be joining us mm. uh, for that movie. Um, and uh, we have going to be having our editor, Matt. He's going to be coming through. Um, I don't know. You guys have never met Matt, uh, but he's uh, our oh. editor there. He's going to be coming through with the Minions. He's going to be giving us our Minions review. Uh, Rise, fair. Fair. Rise of Gru. So he showed up, even dressed up for me. Uh, he even <clears throat> dressed up for it. Uh, got, went the whole <laughs> gentleman minions route, you know. Got all uh, yeah, okay. Dappered up. What is that meme? So what? basically, <laughs> there was a bunch of theaters 
that for some reason just wouldn't let people like a guy, a guys or adults who were dressed up like really well just not into the movie theater if they were going to see the minions they just would not let them through so they were just it was i don't know why that particular theater didn't do it well that one didn't do it but all of a sudden that became a meme and then just people started showing up in droves dressed gentlemanly <laughs> dressed in yeah. fucking dead dressed to the nines to go see exactly the minions. to so minions so yeah um it had the streisand effect basically <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, where does that meme even come from? Yeah, uh, we have a first-time chatter, uh, Kelsey Skywalker. Callie Skywalker uh, says Thor Love, uh, Thor Love and Thunder was let down. Uh, in mm. my opinion, uh, we're going to be getting into that, getting into the review uh, of Thor Love Thunder pretty soon here. Um, so yeah, Minions, as well as uh, tomorrow we're going to be doing Elvis, uh, the uh, Boz Lerman, Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks film. We're going to be getting into that uh, tomorrow and Lightyear. Uh, we also missed that while I was gone. Um, oh, he says his name is Kal-El. Sorry, Kal-El. Uh, oh, Superman. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. I see it. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be getting into that tomorrow. So, yeah, we got a packed show tomorrow um, and a good show today. Uh, so, we're going to be getting into it. So, Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor, Love and Thunder is the fourth movie in the Thor franchise. Uh, Taika Waititi has come back to direct uh, his second Thor film after uh, directing the, I think, mostly praised, uh, mostly, you know, kind of well-received uh, Thor Ragnarok film. Even though now I think I've mm -hmm. seen some dissension uh, amongst people whether they like this tone of Thor. We're going to be getting into that uh, during the review. Of I, mean, I mean, but that's the way... That's the way film Twitter goes. Like, the first two weeks, everyone loves the film. Then when it drops on Disney+, Plus, no one gives a shit. And then a couple of years later, everyone turns on the film and hates it. Yeah. That's, that's not the always... Way, that's, that's the not... way film Twitter goes. Film Twitter, yes, but the movie itself, not necessarily. Hmm. And even at the time, I brought, up the, I brought up that I wasn't that big of a fan of Ragnarok and actually thought it was one of the weaker films in the MCU. Hmm. <clears throat> that's but where that... we... Def or I didn't really care about Thor as a character until mm -hmm. they decided to, you know, uh, write him in a way that plays to Hemsworth's strengths as an actor. In that, they did basically make Thor a himbo. Yeah, yeah, and I, but and I hate that I, for it. But I agree with one point that, with as much as I like Ragnarok, I think they undercut a lot of the dramatic moments with jokes yes. that don't that don't really fit. They got a laugh, but it's like let your stakes like be be high right yeah um so yeah so they're back here uh with uh thor love and thunder um whether that tone is you know going to be a little bit different for people here uh whether they have come to kind of like it better we're kind of going to be getting in all that uh with the review uh, so, like I said, so this is kind of the fourth movie of this, uh, of the Thor franchise. Taika Waititi's come back, uh, along with other kind of members uh, here. You know, you have Korg, who's played by also Taika Waititi, who's back. You have Valkyrie, uh, who's back, who's played by Tessin Thompson. Also, a returning character from the Thor franchise, who we saw in the first two movies, Natalie Portman, who's come back as Jane Foster. Um, this time, she's come back as the Mighty Thor. Um and just like much with Thor Love and Thunder, uh, just like, I mean, much with Thor Ragnarok, Thor Love and Thunder does 
what that movie did where it combines two comic book storylines. And Thor Ragnarok, it was kind of combining mm-hmm. the Planet Hulk storyline um, as well as the kind of destruction of Asgard, kind of that different storyline there. Uh, so it kind of combined those two different comic book storylines. And with Thor Love and Thunder, what it combines is the Jane Foster storyline uh, where she became Thor and then also the storyline of Gore the God Butcher. Uh, and Gore the God, uh, God Butcher here is played by Christian Bale. I, you know, seeing the movie kind of, you know, in, you know, now, I know there was a lot of uh, discussion on Christian Bale's look. They said that they did change the look of mm-hmm. the character not to match Voldemort from the Harry Potter series. Uh I think for the most part, I think it's a good look. I think I still prefer the look in the comic. I think that look is still a lot bit better. Mm-hmm. And then what they do with the power of Gore, because in the comic, you know, Gore power comes from the symbiote, something that they couldn't do here because yeah. Mar- the MCU, Marvel, uh, Disney, well, by they, Sony can't but, do it. They yeah, don't. because Sony has tainted that le- that label. Yeah, you know, of the symbiotes. Uh. <clears throat> Yes, uh, very much so. And Kal-El said, uh, Thor, God of Thunder, and Mighty Thor comics. Uh, and they said the comic was so much better. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's kind of combining those different uh, storylines here. And in there, so you have the main villain of Gore the God Butcher, who's played by Christian Bale, whose whole mission is basically, if you play God of War, it's basically Kratos. It's mm-hmm. the same kind of, you know, uh, kind of character arc here for that character where he is a person who is a devout worshiper of the gods, uh, believes in the gods, you know, has so much faith in the gods. But the gods, they turn, you know, he realizes what shitbags they are, basically. Uh, and he decides to go on a mission to kill every single god with the help of his blade um, and basically murder every single god in the entire universe. It's like something called, yep. like, the Necro something. Yeah, yeah, the Necro sword. Yeah, yeah. Christian Bale basically read any book about, like, uh, Greek or Roman mythology and said, you know what? Fuck these guys. All of them. Yeah. Uh, he's not really wrong. So that basically sets him off on his mission uh, of that and where he intersects with Thor. Um, so, with this movie, uh, I was very much looking forward to it. Uh, I was a big fan of Ragnarok. Uh, Ragnarok, I think, is one of the few great movies of the MCU uh, that they have. Uh, I was a big fan of the tone um, and the style of that movie, and it very much differed uh, from the other two Thor movies, which I thought were very much weak. Um, I didn't like Thor Dark World all that much, and I thought the first Thor was just average for me. So when Ragnarok came about, it just to me, it had a lot of style. It had a lot of flair to it, um, and and them leaning on Chris Hemsworth, you know, you see kind of this difference, you know, now that he has in his career of playing roles like in Ghostbusters, where, you know, the guy's actually got some, kind of got some good comedic chops, you know, he's actually pretty good at it. Um, and, you know, they kind of use that to their benefit here. And for me, I'm a personally a guy that from, you know, Ragnarok onward, I have liked what they've kind of done with the Thor character. Um, I could see kind of some of the complaints that people have of people say they've made him too dumb. Um, I don't think he's dumb necessarily. I think there's, you see the cracks in that where, you know, it's, it's the stuff like an Infinity War where he's talking and he's talking about, you know, how he's a guy that's lost so much. And a lot of it is him kind of hiding behind that um, in order to, you know, have himself just be kind of closed off and, and, and. You know, not people see his true pain. Um, and then in Endgame, I know a lot of people didn't like that. 
uh, where they kind of, you know, they seemed like they just was like one big fat joke they kind of put throughout the movie. Uh, that I thought was still okay. It was it was fine for me. Um, and I will say that right off the bat, uh, right off the bat, that Thor Love and Thunder is not as good as Ragnarok. Um, I don't think it is. Hmm. Um, I think that, but that I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think that Ragnarok was such kind of a breath of fresh air uh, for this character. Now that we've kind of already seen it, uh, it's kind of like okay, you're you're doing it and you're doing it again, and then it, it hmm. and you're leaning on it, and I think it still kind of works. But it just, I don't think it's as strong as what they did with Ragnarok. And I think Ragnarok was a lot tighter. Um, what were kind of you guys' mm-hmm. thoughts on the movie? I, I kind of feel the same way about uh, Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. The same way I do about uh, Guardians and Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2. I, I feel like both are kind of using similar styles because both are made by the same director. But one takes, but I think with the... Uh, with Love and Thunder, it takes some of the weaker elements of uh, Ragnarok, which was, like I said, that undercutting dramatic tension with the uh, jokes way too often for my taste, and they kind of pulled back on that in some se- in some ways here. It was like when it's a when it's a scene of drama, or you let uh, Christian Bale act as Gore the God Butcher. They didn't try to undercut him with uh, a whole lot of jokes, which I think works really well. I liked how they integrated uh, uh, Natalie Portman's Jane Foster back into the story. They finally let her be a character outside of giving Chris Hemsworth the fuck me eyes for like two hours. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Dusk. And some of the some of the jokes in here. I don't think it's as funny a movie as uh, Love and Thunder, but I think the running jokes here work better than in Ragnarok. Mm. Uh, Dusk. Um. Ooh, how do I how do I even how do I even come to this? Um. This movie is. This movie is probably what will probably be seen as when MCU finally became a joke, of when it just said, "Eh, who cares?" Uh. If you have any interest or any desire to see any of these mythological characters or characters from the comics or Greek mythology or Norse mythology or any other characters represented with any decency, respect, care, uh, don't watch this movie. If you want to see a, some fun flair action and... Occasional serious moments by Christian Bale, who elevates the crap out of this movie. Uh, sure, check it out. It's fine. It's a fine enough entertainment in that regard. But every aspect of this movie, if you enjoyed Ragnarok and felt, hey, maybe it was a little too goofy and it kind of undercut all the aspects of the character of Thor that we've been building up or other aspects of it for a while now... Uh, well, sir, you have not even begun to see what they do for this one and how much they just do not even care in the least about his character and treat him like a complete himbo joke of a character. They lose any lasting ounce of any form of Shakespearean quality that was left in this character. And I think from this going forward, I would not suggest giving Tyke uh, YTT any more control of this. If Ragnarok was with him, 
having control but restrained. This is him having no one to tell him no. And the man just doesn't have any funny bone in his body. And does, it doesn't have any serious bone in his body. When you give him his own stuff, like Jojo Rabbit, it's hilarious. It's actually really good. And he's able to find like a weird balance. In other works, he's actually a very pretty good director in some aspects. There are points when you're in the monochrome areas of uh, where um, Gore, the God Butcher, is. And that's genuinely interesting. And kind of the best parts of it when they kind of go to this area. But when we're talking about plot beats, character motivation, character moments, and proper usage of tone, that man couldn't care less of what came before. Couldn't care less of what's going on. And if you care even a little bit about that, you're just not going to have a good time. Mm. That's just my feeling on it. So basically, if you liked Thor and Thor the Dark World, if you like those movies... No, I don't even Thor 1. Just Thor 1. Or even Thor Infinity, or Thor Ultron, or any of those which I consider, at least Ultron slash Infinity Thor is considered peak. And you know what? You can say all those other points of, oh, well, Infinity War, he was able... Well, they took the stupid out. They actually had a competent writer come in and go, yeah, maybe let's pull back on the whole Ragnarok thing and actually make him a character again briefly. Until Endgame comes and they just go, eh, the hell with that. Hmm. And now they're doing it again, and he's just it's just, there's no consistency in this damn thing. Hmm. There's just joke, 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 joke. Yeah. And look, look, if you want to make a complete comedy and a complete joke of this, fine. Don't have it in the MCU then. Stuff is a one-off. Uh, well, what if? Well, I mean, I think most of the movies in the MCU roster is mostly comedies. I think they're comedies slash, you know, heist movies. Comedies slash, you know, this. Comedy slash, I mean, they're, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy well, At least is, they find a balance. They yeah. have levity. There's a difference. You can have levity and to release tension and use I mean, both. I mean, both Ant-Man movies are basically just, like, heist comedies. And I hate the second Ant-Man movie. <clears throat> I absolutely hate it. That one scene where he's trying to explain his background. And all I'm asking from the characters is just to hear, like, I'm hearing, I want to hear Lawrence Fishburne explain his character. And that goddamn phone coming in is like, oh, no, no, I just want to answer it just because they lost their stupid-ass shoe. Get that out of here. Get all that crap out of here. Treat something with respect, damn it. Something. Okay. Either something matters or nothing matters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with the MCU stuff, like, that's kind of mostly what they do. Then, you know, it's people have also complained about that, you know, undercutting the tension, you know, with mm-hmm. comedic moments. Um, I think here with this movie, I think there's a lot of that. I think there's quite a bit of that here. Um, and I think there was some of that also in Ragnarok. I think with here, I think Taika Waititi also has some good emotional moments because I think the moments with Jane mm. is very good. And if you know the storyline from the comics yes. of with the Jason Aaron run of when she be, why she became the Mighty Thor, um, you'll kind of get more. You know, you'll understand that. Um, and I think that what this movie did, which the Doctor Strange two did not where it made you care about a relationship between the hero and then his main love interest, something that Doctor Strange 2 tried to do with, you know, Doctor Strange or Christine about, like, you know, he loves her across all these different multiverses. And I was like, I you know, even at the end of that movie, I was like, I still didn't yeah, give a shit. It, uh, yeah, that's, no, oh, no, oh, no, yeah, that's completely that is the, I love Multiverse of Madness, but that is the weakest part of the movie for Absolutely. Me. And here, I think this is the first one that actually made the relationship between jane and thor feel real because in 
those, it's mostly just her, Chris Hemsworth pontificating and Natalie Portman giving him the fuck me eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think she w- she wasn't even in character really all that much in the first two Thor movies. Um, here, you know, I think in this movie, it really makes you care about the relationship because you see more context to their relationship, what drove them apart. Um, and then when she comes back, it's almost kind of like a four-way between Thor, Jane, Stormbreaker, and Mjolnir. It's kind of like a, like a, you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, your ex-girls with a, a new man, and, you know, they're having a great time, and then it's like, you know, and then your old, per, you know, partner that's with a new partner, they've upgraded now, and they look better, and they're doing more cool shit. They know? look better, they start dressing better. Yeah. They start working out, they can do more. Yeah, I mean, it's... And it's every time... Uh, and there is a running joke about like every time uh, Stormbreaker sees Thor with a new weapon, it starts acting finicky, which always, which always got a laugh out of me. That's a running joke that I thought worked well. Yeah, I, I thought the stuff they did with that, like like making him, you know, just kind of really jealous and Stormbreaker kind of coming in and you know almost looking at him, like giving him like even though the the Stormbreaker doesn't even have a face, you could tell it was just looking at him side eyed, like even though it doesn't even you know have any <laughs> eyes at all. And every time he. And every time Thor looked guilty as hell. Yeah, I, I mean, so I, I thought that you know some of that stuff I thought did work pretty well, and I did kind of like that dynamic. And I thought, you know, that finally, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman did have good chemistry um, in this movie. Um, when it comes to kind of you know, you know, kind of other things that kind of happen, like I said, Christian Bale, Christian Bale's always good. I, I think you know he's always good in everything he's in, um, and I think he's good here as Gore. It's just that there's just not enough of him. You know, he's in the movie yeah, kind of so little. Yes, and what this film does really well is similar to like sim- similar to something like Black Panther or uh, Infinity War, we open with Gore and we get his backstory in the first uh, in the first few minutes of this film. I don't know if they changed it from the comics, but it does some it does add more character. It's basically giving him the arc of like PS4 reboot Kratos versus like old God of War, mm, yeah. Uh, without giving spoilers, um, and I thought that worked really well. And of course, Christian Bale, one of the greatest working actors of all time of uh, this generation, and he is always going to bring it, no matter what. Yeah, and I I thought he brought it here. It's just I just think you could have done more with him, um, and there's just not enough of him in the movie, um, especially when you see like when you see that you hear about you only really hear about him killing all these gods you only get to see one god that he kills which i thought was disappointing you i would have liked to see him go out and and you actually see him doing this you know different killings and everything like that and i think you still could have kept it in a pg-13 way uh you know showing him kill all these different gods um i thought that was kind Mm -hmm. of disappointing um yes yeah and and there's very there's a lot of like news out there about a lot of uh, gore scenes got cut. It, it's like we were supposed to get appearances by actors like Lena Headey, and she got cut from the film as well. There's mm. like rumors of the Taika cut, which please shut Twitter shut the fuck up about like release the Taika cut. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't need it. <laughs> Yeah, because that's what it kind of feels like. It kind of feels like a lot of stuff was kind of really pulled for this. I mean, this is a trim. It's two hours. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's so it's you know you know from the longer movies that we've kind of gotten so far in this phase, it's just like a trim kind of just quick little two hours. Um, and you know some other new additions that kind of come in here. You have Russell Crowe Zeus. 
Um, who I think I don't know. I mean, it's the first time I've ever seen a, a portrayal, a live action portrayal of Zeus where he has a Greek accent. That's the first time I've ever seen that before. I don't know if this, anybody else. This is the first time. This is the first live action portrayal of Zeus where it actually feels like somebody read Greek mythology because he is just this fat hedonistic Greek dude that wants to fuck everything. Mm. And Russell Crowe, he is one of the highlights of the movie because he shows the difference between chewing on scenery and munching on that shit like Tic Tacs. Yeah. And I like the stuff with Russell Crowe uh, as Zeus. Dust, what do you think about Russell Crowe as Zeus? He's probably the best part of the movie. Mm. He's and- Zeus. He's like the only believable part of that damn movie. He's just like, I'm Zeus, and this is the Greek Parthenon. And, and I don't where's really... the next orgy? Yeah, there's the next orgy. I got thunderbolts. And what are you doing on my land? I don't care about this god killer. I'm gonna f him up. And that's just what we gotta do. No, but we we need to we need your help in order to dot dot dot. Don't care unless I really really need your help. I really don't care. What have you done for me lately? In fact, he literally he literally stopped. Where is Odin? Odin's dead. He, Zeus well, literally stopped and said. That's a you problem, my guy. He really did, basically. And you know what? I appreciate that because he's the only one in this entire damn thing that I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense actually. That's actually sticking to something. Uh, but hey, that lasts for a good eh, little while, and then he, you know, something happens to him, and then he's out, mm. out for a little while. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Too long. Um, you also have. Although I am curious how they're going to do a certain character, bringing them in into the MCU, um, considering what they've done with the other characters so far. Yeah. Uh, Javon Good, he's in the chat. Hello, Javon Good. He mentions they clean up those CGI masks. They look bad in the trailer. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I think some of the CGI in this movie doesn't work that well. Like, there's some stuff with the no. masks that don't kind of look good. But I do like overall. I, I, I like the look of the movie. I think I like this kind of aesthetic. Again, it's kind of that another the kind of that Ragnarok aesthetic of just the colors. Like when they go to uh, what, what's it called? Eptimate uh, City, uh, where they yeah. city of the gods. That does yeah. look good. Um, I like the stuff they do. Of course, whenever they're traveling, um, like with the bridge with the goats, uh, the goats who are basically from that meme that was there like a few years ago of the screaming goat. That's what they sound like. Uh, let me play it real quick. It's it's basically that's basically what you're gonna get. Uh, basically, it's just that meme with the kind of the screaming goats. Uh, you're kind of gonna have that there. So I I like the overall look of the movie. Uh, and, and kind of the style they're doing with that. Um, even the different various kind of costumes Thor's wears. I know that a lot of the different changes in costume is just because, like, hey, we got to make action figures. You know, it's like, okay, here's Thor in his, uh, this costume. Here's Thor in this other costume. But, you know, I did kind of like those different looks. Like when Thor was in his Thunderstruck outfit, I thought that was a cool-looking outfit. Um, you know, when he's with the Guardians. Um, also, by the way, if you're expecting to see a good amount of the Guardians in this, they're not in the movie that much. Uh, they're only in the movie for the first, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. And some of yeah, them don't even have lines. Like, it's mostly just yeah. Star-Lord who's and supposed to talk. They're, yeah, they're pretty much actively just trying to get rid of Thor. Yeah. So, also, I think we should point something out here. This movie's so all over the place that it's very clear from many different interviews that a lot was cut from this movie. And I mean a lot was cut. I mean, there are apparently planets 
different characters, worlds, parts with the Guardians. A lot of stuff was cut that it was filmed. So I have no idea what that's going to mean, but that also might add to the le- the idea that this feel- movie feels very cobbled together and not mm. all that very smooth. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get when you just improvise your lines all the time and don't really have a very clear-cut script. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think also with Natalie Portman coming back, like I said, I do like her coming back as Jane. Um, really makes it... I was surprised they really make me care about her character, something I never really mm. did before. Uh, Tessa Thompson, of course, she's back as Valkyrie. Tessa Thompson, always amazing. Uh, she's always great. Um, she just... Seems like she really has a lot of fun playing Valkyrie and playing, you know, that character. And then also she has great chemistry with Chris Hemsworth and, you know, everyone else involved. Um, I also will say kind of with some of these moments in this movie, you could have, I think, had some moments where there could have been a little bit more stakes. um, Where I feel like they could have, you know, they they really undercut that moment. Um, You know, some characters who fates that, you know, I won't say too much, but could have gone further with. Um, I'll get into a uh, spoiler talk with that, uh, what I mean by that. But, yeah, I think you could have gone further with that. Um, overall, I, th- I think some of kind of the biggest issues um, with this movie is that it doesn't reach the same heights as Ragnarok. I don't think it has that, you know, as good of humor as there. Um, I think there's not enough Christian Bale's gore um and i think there are a lot of good you know kind of dramatic moments that could have been good that are undercut undercut by jokes but i think when they do bring in the good drama here you know with like jane foster or you know some other characters i think you know they just play it straight i think it does work and it, it does work well um so overall i would for me i would give it uh i think a a tune in just a kind of a basic kind of tune in for me uh what about you guys yeah for me i'm i'm kind of on the same page as you i don't think uh love and thunder is is as good as ragnarok was however i do think uh um it has a much more interesting turn of its villain with uh, Christian Bale as Gore, even though it's very clear a lot of his stuff got is on the cutting room floor. Um, I think this this does a better job at not undercutting its uh, dramatic tension with uh, with a lot of jokes and the fact that you made me care about Natalie Portman and Thor in uh, as Jane Foster and Thor's relationship after th- four movies. Well, two movies with that character where I couldn't give a fuck less. That's a feat in itself. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with this film. I don't really give a, I didn't really care about Thor's character until Ragnarok. So I'm probably going to give this a, a low tune in. I do kind of agree that it is a movie that kind of feels all over the place. Hmm. Yeah. Dusk. Despite what I'm saying, I do think there are good moments in that. I think the use of colors is something that Taika Waititi is good at. I just think he went a little overboard on some, some many aspects on this. Stuff he introduces into the uh, in the gods and Nama City and the goats and all that. That's all neat little Norse mythology things that's nice to see. Sif comes back for a hot second. That's nice to see her again in a movie. Um... 
I just uh, and even just some of the monochrome areas when you're in uh, area when you're dealing with um, the God Killer and and other aspects of some of the effects mm-hmm. and just even some of the costume designs pretty cool. And even uh, some of the characters, when they have time to do so, have a little bit of moments here and there where they do get to shine. I just think the package, the sum, it just doesn't match the sum of the parts. Mm. The little moments here and there that are pretty good just don't ha- hold a cons- cohesive nature. And it just ends up leaving a lot to be desired. Both from a narrative, character, and even just tone advantage. There's so much whiplash in this movie that I was pretty sure I was going to break my neck. Just mm. between going back between <laughs> so many different tones. Right. So, and die from whiplash. But I can't give this a tune in. I just really can't. Mm. If you want to check it out on a matinee or stream it, this movie is a perfect stream it. There's mm. no reason for to go to the theaters for this. Mm. Absolutely no reason. If you got a good TV, good surround sound, you just want to chill at home and watch this, by all means, check this out later when it comes out and stream it. Or even just now if you can stream it. Go to the going to the theater, paying all that money, getting yourself a popcorn and whatever. I mean, if you like colors, <laughs> you just like rainbows and crap. That's fine, but if you just want to watch and see the next MCU movie, wait for this to come on home. Don't waste your time going to a movie theater to see this. Even matinee, just stream it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I will say with this movie as well as like being you know part of the mcu and going to see it it's like if you're a person who says like well i gotta keep up with all this mcu stuff to follow what's next it really is mostly contained to thor and thor's story and his whole thing going on like it's not a situation like with doctor strange 2 where okay you gotta bring you gotta really you gotta bring in wanda and you gotta understand wanda vision and you're bringing in america chavez because you're setting up america chavez to be in young avengers or whatever they're gonna do with her you know and all this other stuff like it really is contained to thor and the thor kind of mythos and all that other stuff and then even you know of course there's two stingers with this um that they do with these movies even the mid-credit stinger it's not like setting up something totally different it's setting up uh, another Thor movie. Um, I'll leave it at that. Like it's setting up another kind of Thor movie. We'll get into it in, in spoilers, uh, but uh, probably tomorrow uh, or something like that. We'll get into it. But uh, yeah, it's it's setting up that. And then there's the after credit stinger, which is that that's one. If you really want to stay for it, it's it's nothing. It doesn't. It really doesn't probably set up anything. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. And, you know, as far as, like, if you are a person who, if you didn't like Ragnarok, then you're probably not going to like this because it's the same kind of tone. Uh, but I have seen people who say they loved Ragnarok and then they were really disappointed by this and they thought it was too much comedy in it. Uh, even though Ragnarok, I think, is also a straight comedy. You know, there's some people who, who say, like, yeah, I love Ragnarok, but I just thought this was just too much. So it, it depends. You you know, you got to see it for yourself, maybe. Uh, to to kind of get your own feeling about it, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I thought it had some really good elements in it. I thought it you know had some good elements stuff like I mentioned before with some of the characters, um, some of the humor, um, and then the new additions I thought were pretty good. Uh, but it doesn't. It's it's not anything amazing. Uh, I don't think. And Chris Hemsworth, you know, as far as the Thor character and what they've done with him, um. Yeah, I mean, I've never, you know, I like I said, I think, you know, I never was really big on his characterization in the first Thor or the second Thor movie. So Ragnarok onward, I've kind of liked that different, you know, change they've made um, in kind of with his character. Um, and yeah, yeah. So 
those are my thoughts uh, on Thor, Love, and Thunder. Those are our thoughts on that. Um, all right. Did you guys want to do a spoiler talk right now? Or did you... Because uh, I know Nikki's coming on tomorrow. Dusk, he's not going to be on tomorrow. Did you guys kind of want to do a spoiler talk? I mean... Uh, I can hold off until next. tomorrow. Yeah, you guys can wait. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I'm not going to say many nice things. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Thor, that was our Thor Love and Thunder review. Uh, we're going to be moving on. Uh, What do you guys want to do? You want to do the boys or you want to do Kenobi? <clears throat> uh, let's get the vegetables out of the way first. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to be getting into Kenobi. So Kenobi, uh, <laughs> is the that was the Star Wars Disney Plus series based on the character Obi Wan Kenobi, longtime legacy character for the Star Wars franchise. You know, it is exploring what Kenobi was doing uh, those nine years in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Uh, Ewan McGregor has returned as the Obi-Wan Kenobi character, as well as Hayden Christensen, who comes back as Anakin Skywalker, at, and also known as Darth Vader. Um, you also have some other returning uh, members as well. Joe Edgerton, who's come back as Owen. You know, It's pretty cool that they did bring back... Joe Edgerton was like, hey, I'll take another check from Star Wars. Yeah, why not? Uh, because he's become <laughs> a very, very big actor himself. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he's had a great career since uh, Star Wars. A great actor himself and a fantastic director in his own right. Yeah, um, his movie, what was it called? The Gift, I love a lot. I think that movie's great. Yeah, The Gift is brilliant. And uh, his other film, uh, Boy Erased, is also really good. Yeah. Um, so I believe we left off on episode four. Uh, episode four, which we pretty much thought was the worst episode of the series. Um, so we're going to be, you know, if you guys want to check out that, those reviews are up on YouTube. Uh, we have episodes one through four up on YouTube right now. If you guys want to check those out. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing in that fan two and a half hour cut, most of it is cut out of episode four. Yeah. Um, as we, (laughs) yeah, uh, as we mentioned before, somebody took this series, which was collectively, I think was four hour, four and a half hours. Um, these entire yeah, six like episodes, six episodes stretch out to four and a half hours, and they cut two hours out of it. Yeah, so I'm interested to see that cut. Um, there was a fan who did that who cut it down. I'm interested to kind of see that cut and see what they do with it. Um, so, uh, you know, Kenobi had its finale a couple weeks ago, or was it? Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I believe Kenobi had its finale there mm-hmm. with episode six. Um, overall thoughts of the series. Uh, I just think it's just fine um uh you know i uh, i don't hate the series i think it, it i think it's mm-hmm. better than what they did with book of boba fett um i did like you know a lot of the moments you mcgregor had in this series where he just was talking and he just was really exploring the character um something that he really didn't get to do in the prequels uh and i think mm-hmm. that is very very much i think that is very very much handled very much handled better here than than in the prequels his character um and i do like his relationship with leia uh the young actress who plays leia um i think she does a very you know good job as leia there's some moments where i thought they just tried to fit her in in moments where i just think that that she didn't need to be fit into like you know even rescuing her twice i thought was you know much and then i thought was she was the one that fixed the uh, she was fixing the what the uh, the shields or the the gate or whatever. Uh, I thought that was a little much, uh, but 
Mm-hmm. And then also, the, you know, Disney's continuing this trend of pairing up the young child with the, you know, grizzled warrior thing. That's kind of like, you know, you see it in Mando. Uh, you even kind of saw it a little bit in the book of Boba Fett. We had the young street gang or whatever. Uh, so they continue that kind of trend here. Uh, but I did like Hugh McGregor. I mean, he can act off of anyone. I mean, I think he can bounce. I mean, he's just that great yeah, of he, talent. Yeah, he basically... Yeah, he basically made three movies acting opposite nothing. Yeah, so I, I thought, you know, he still got that great talent and great ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, even with the kind of these inclusion of the Inquisitors, um, you know, basically the stuff was already kind of out there about Reva already, about her whole backstory, about her being a youngling. Uh, when they got to get more into her backstory, especially like in episode five, uh, I thought... They just didn't do enough enough good stuff with that because I think that backstory mm-hmm. is very interesting of getting into like because it's kind of like almost uh, you know I don't want to you know maybe be insensitive by using this comparison but kind of like you know this PTSD from like you know kind of like this almost mm-hmm. school shooter as you know kind of PTSD that you would have from the situation her being a part of Order sixty six as a youngling and then mm-hmm. you know now that she's kind of grown up um, and kind of carrying that with her and I think you know, her motivation throughout of it, I think I see it as, because some people were kind of, I think, confused about it, about saying like, okay, you know, she wants revenge on Darth Vader for what he did in Order 66, but, you know, she's also working to become, you know, Inquisitor, you know, and, and getting close to him and also trying to rise through the ranks. I think I, I saw it more yes. as... Uh, yes, so like her revenge plot to kill Darth Vader for murdering Jedi is going throughout the galaxy and murdering other Jedi. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I saw I saw it from me. I I, which oh. I thought that could have been an interesting plot thread where you could like tell this morality tale about okay you're after revenge but where do you draw the line and you could have done something really interesting with that character and I think Moses Ingram for what she's given she is doing a good job especially in the last two episodes. I just feel like we don't spend enough time with the uh, with the uh, Riva in order to make those make those moments work. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. For me, I personally, I saw it as that she's a person who's angry at the Jedi for basically them failing at not protecting mm-hmm. you know the younglings and and not being there for them, and also the fact that it was a Jedi who carried out Order sixty six. I mean. A Jedi was the main one that was doing what, you know, was doing killing younglings, especially a Jedi like Anakin Skywalker, who was probably the most trusted and respected Jedi at a... Yeah, he... Yeah. Yeah, at the time, Anakin was a war hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, Legends was told of of probably Anakin Skywalker, what he did, and, and all these in the Clone Wars and everything like that. So I, I, I think, you know... That wasn't just expressed properly, I don't think, in a lot of moments. Because you see, like, when she's... I think it was in the first episode when she's talking to the townspeople. Um, when she's kind of going around of, like, why are you protecting the Jedi? They failed you. You know, you know, why are you doing this? And I think that speaks to a little bit about her and her character of her, you know, feeling that same way of the Jedi. They were supposed to... Their job was supposed to be to protect the Republic, to protect people. And they failed. I mean, Jedi, you know, they had a 3-1 lead and they fucked it up terribly you know what i mean so I, I think that speaks a little to that and then also the stuff of trying to get revenge on darth vader of waiting for the the best moment 
I don't understand why you thought that was the best moment to to strike when you know he probably spends half his time in a bath to tank. You know what I mean? Just soaking in there. <laughs> like you could have walked in there and tripped a cord or something like that. Like I don't know why you thought that was the best time to do it in episode five. Just I, like just like un just like unplug something and say, Oh shit, I was trying to charge my phone. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you walk in there, you accidentally knock over a cord, trip over something, you know, you in the hospital, like when you you know, that happens all the time. You know, like do something like that. Like I don't know why you thought that was I feel like a janitor may have accidentally almost killed Darth Vader. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's trying, he's trying to clean up and accidentally, you know, takes a cord out, you know, alarms start going off, like... Spills a, spills a, mop, spills a mop bucket on some, uh, <laughs> on some like, electrical outlet. Yeah, I, I, I just thought that was ridiculous of, like, that was her moment to strike, but that sequence between her and him, I mean, he's just so much better than her, and like I said, I think Vader, I think they've done a good he, job. He he doesn't even give her the respect of stabbing her with his lightsaber. Mm, he doesn't and, even... and that's something that that works really well about the show is say what you will about Disney and Star Wars. They get Darth Vader. They do. Uh, he, yeah. He's been consistently great in every appearance that he is that he has had since since Disney bought him. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think we talked about in episode three. They, I think Vader. They made Vader a good threat. I mean, also like what they did in Rogue One. Um, and I thought he doesn't even pull out his lightsaber against Riva uh, at all. He doesn't even do that at all. Um, I mean, he's just so much better than her. Um, and also the thing of like Star Wars. I mean, it's you know when when people get hit by lightsabers, they can they could just come back. I guess when you want them to, when you get stabbed. I mean, it's like if if it, the story requires, it's like sure they can come back. Why not? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I, it, is, it is a lightsaber, so it's like instantly cauterizes any wound possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Darth Maul, you know what I mean? He got, you know, he got just cut in half, but don't worry. You know, he came back, you know, he got had tar tarantula <laughs> legs for a little bit. Then he had, you know, other robot legs. It's like, yeah, sure. I mean, he got cut in half and fell down a whole shoot, but okay. You know, but I like what they did with Darth Maul when they did bring him back. Um, in the mm -hmm. Clone Wars and when he was in Rebels, I did like his story. Um, and then when it came to the ending of the series, me and Dust, we talked about it. It ended pretty much how Dust said it was pretty much going to end. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it, it pretty much did that. Dust, what kind of were your thoughts on these uh, episode five and six and just the series overall? What were kind of your thoughts? At the end of the day, it's just okay. You could have yeah. not made the series, and you'd have been just as fine as if you either mm -hmm. saw it or didn't. Mm -hmm. um, what little things they do with uh, with Vader or whoever um, actually ends up, whatever they do, so I understand, with Vader or certain characters, they completely break canon completely. Especially by that final episode, where Ben just Obi-Wan just lets Vader go? You know? And you're like, oh, so you're just gonna... You're just gonna let him keep killing millions and billions of lives <laughs> now. You're just yeah. gonna keep doing that. And and what? Later on, you're just gonna be like, oh, now it's full circle now. The circle is complete. Now I am the master. Except that time when I whooped your butt, and then you came and whooped my butt, and, uh, and it... And it wasn't so. It's like no, none of this. None of this matters. I don't like. I'm gonna be honest. I don't even consider any of this canon. 
Mm. I just think this is just a, a what if imagination that Disney came up with. Mm. And if I might suggest our viewers, if you actually want to see a really good or at least a pretty good Kenobi uh, story, go read John Jackson Miller's Kenobi. You can buy it on Amazon right now. It was printed in 2014. It's considered all the legends. Mm. That's actually a nice small little story about Kenobi that actually cares about canon and actually makes sense. It's like a fun little Western that involves Ben Kenobi trying to keep his identity safe and not have to deal with and has to deal with the Tusken Raiders and help the people of Tantooine while he still has to hide his secret identity. Mm. So, I mean, is it even really secret? He kept the same goddamn last name. I'm going by Star Wars rules, baby. It's Ben. It's Ben. It's Ben Kenobi. Not everyone knows what who Obi Wan Kenobi is as a Jedi, and he's in the Outer Rim, so he's it doesn't a, really matter. He was a goddamn war hero during the Clone Wars. Look, I'm just I'm going by what George Lucas wrote and the stories of what he's wrote. But at least in this, it was fu- at least the book. And I, you know what? While I was watching the movie, I decided to read the book too. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I had a lot more fun time reading that book than watching this series. Mm-hmm. I could just imagine. Wow. I wish Disney had just made that, mm. and there would have been less problems. Uh, you remember how we talked about the Inquisitor? Mm-hmm. And he just shows up. Yeah, I actually watched a funny little video about it. There was like five seconds. The Inquisitor's like, "Hello," and then just cuts to him saying, "Goodbye," and then walks away. I'm mm-hmm. like, for how long he's really there to explain anything? You're like, yeah, might as well, really, man. Um, yeah. Reva is a non-character. I could give so less of a crap by the way they handle her by the end of, oh, now that you've forgiven your your hate, shut up. Just shut up. You haven't earned any of that. You haven't deserved any of that. You're not a character worth spending time on. And it doesn't matter what your gender or race is. That's not what, it doesn't matter. You could have been any other person, any other race, whatever. It's the fact that you as a character are not well developed and your motivations aren't really well developed. And I don't think you have earned your own series or whatever. And I don't think this series deserves a season two. Hmm. Just leave it as it is and then forget it. Watch it. Have Maybe have a good time, I guess, if you want to see it. Do or don't, really. I don't. It doesn't really matter. This is kind of like a eh. Mm. Eh. Yeah. Um, with the after episode four, which I was very disappointed mm. by episode five, episode six, um, I do think are much better than episode four. Um, I don't think they're, sure. you know, amazing per se, but I think they're definitely better yeah. than episode four was. Uh, episode five, I do like the kind of them going back and forth between doing the flashback and then during the, you know, invasion that they were doing um, on the ground at the rebel base, uh, you know. And I was watching a video and then somebody was saying how each of these episodes or like mirrors of the of the trilogy of like episode five is supposed to mirror like Empire and how the the invasion of the rep, uh, rebel base and then they es- I it, feel it, like I feel like that's a bit of a reach. Okay, well, the, you know, like somebody said, like it was kind of like you know I saw that I think it was Screen Crush. I think I saw that where somebody said it was kind of like all these different episodes of mirrors of like the different movies in the Star Wars universe um, and. You know, when they do kind of the cut back and forth between the flashback, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't understand in that flashback, why were they using real lightsabers? Like, that seems kind of dangerous. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what if somebody accidentally cuts your head off? Like, you don't have, like, any, like, regular, like, kind of, like, wooden sticks or something like that? Like, even samurais, they didn't train with, like, I mean, they practiced with wooden sticks. Like, they didn't use samurai swords all if the time. If they die, 
they die. Yeah, I was like that. That seems very dangerous, especially you know you know how as crazy as fucking Anakin is. Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, but I, I did like that, and I did like. It seems like they didn't really do any really de aging really for Hayden Christensen. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or much, I mean, you're McGregor. I mean, that dude is just, I mean, he's forever young. So, you know, especially with the beard, he's got the Jesus beard and everything. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty much forever young with that look. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I did kind of like that. Um, I think when they do the kind of whole invasion of the whole rebel base, it like dust to dust point, I think we were talking about it in an episode, I think this was two, some of the set yeah. designs, some of the set stuff does look kind of small scale. Oh, it's and, atrocious. And they do look kind of very cheap. Um, like, especially with the Rebel Bay stuff, like, that just looks so, like, such a oh, small yeah. location and everything like that. You, um, can, you can see the budget. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. So I was. That's not what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much money they put into this series uh, or per episode, but it's just like, it just doesn't seem not like. enough. Uh, just doesn't seem like they they had to maybe a lot to work with, um, and with the character dying, the, the uh, I forgot her character's name, but the woman from Game of Thrones uh, when her character kind of died, hmm. uh, not a lot of good emotional moments there. I don't think it was a big emotional impact no. uh, because her character is just like I also called that it's like oh no that girl I just met like three days ago yeah I also uh, called that moment yeah uh, that doesn't really have a lot of big impact there. Uh, you know, with that character, nope. if you maybe if you introduced her earlier um, and it kept some more stuff, maybe that would have had a bit of, more of an impact. But yeah, I don't think that was supposed. To, that's that wasn't really a big moment there. Um, O'Shea Jackson being kind of more in the show, you see him kind of in the other episodes um, in the last couple episodes here. Uh, I, th- I thought he's pretty good. Uh, I like O'Shea Jackson. Um, I thought I think he's a very good actor. Like when he was in Ingrid Goes West, when he was in Strata Compton. Um, I think he's, I think he's a pretty good actor himself. He's not just, I don't think he's, I mean, hey, nepotism can be good sometimes. I mean, you know, uh, so. Hey, it's only, hey, it's only nepotism if they're not talent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. So I, I do like him. I did like him in these kind of, these last few episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I could see him kind of coming back for maybe some other Star Wars stuff. Cause they kind of, seems like they set him up for that. Uh, Camille Nanjani's character, uh, I, I, I thought he was kind of one of the weaker, newer characters that they kind of introduced mm-hmm. here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I mean, it's not that I dislike Camille Nanjani. I, I like him. I think he's a funny guy, but here it just feels, he's just feels so kind of out of place uh, here. What'd you kind of guys think about kind of some of the other kind of supporting characters in this that are not the legacy characters? Uh, the supporting cast in this, I think it's like the weakest of one of these, uh, <clears throat> of one of these Star Wars Disney Plus shows. Um, no, nobody here is really that memorable. It's like, even in characters like Mandalorian, people like Cobb Vanth, like, uh, the mechanic, I remember who they are, and when they come back, I get a little bit excited. Here... You get excited for I'm, the mechanic? Eh. At least Amy <laughs> Sedaris is fun. <laughs> okay. But, he, I'm saying in comparison to these guys. I was just like, oh, you're back. Hmm. Yeah. Dust. Uh, I didn't. No, no, not really. There weren't a lot of great supporting <laughs> characters. Maybe we met uh, the Game of Thrones girl before episode four. Made had more time, more development, and she was along with him on the journey. Again, 
uh, just the whole premise itself kind of falls apart the moment it even starts. But hey, if you're going with a let's just do a what if, sure, mm-hmm. whatever. But even by its own constraints, even by its own narrative, it's it's side characters aren't that great. And, and yeah, you're right, Kamal. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a cool. He's fine. He's a fine enough actor. But I felt that even that one episode appearance, I'm like, okay, I don't need to see you again. It's yeah, fine. it's like if you're trying to, because I feel like what the show is doing, it's trying to bridge a gap between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So Kamal is kind of like supposed to be that Han Solo type that. Obi-Wan already knows that Han Solo is full of shit when he meets him. Yeah, uh, I, just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't even fit that. He's pretty... He, I wouldn't even say it's, that. It's, it's like I I, that I'm fit. trying to connect dots where that might not be there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think... I thought he was just a complete con artist who wasn't even worth the time of day. And then he just happened yeah. to do something nice because what the plot needed him to. Yeah. Hmm. He's, well, I mean, that's typical Star Wars, the the bad guy with the heart of gold. I mean, that's typically... Yeah, you know, but uh-huh. that actually does not... I mean, with Han, it made sort of sense. It made actual somewhat sense. I'm not saying it's great, but at least it made some sense. And we all... We, he spent enough time with the character along the journey that when he did make that heel turn, there were these moments. We don't mm-hmm. have enough time to do any of that. And this, this story is so simple. I don't even know why you would do that and not have a completely different turn. It, yeah yeah it's a five out of ten it's like a four or five out of ten series see it or don't if you don't watch it that's fine and if but if you actually want to see something or listen or listen to something that's a similar quality to kenobi go check out kenobi by john jackson miller on amazon.com or any local bookstore that you want to show up you can also buy the audiobook if you want you'll have just as much time and it'll probably be less time involved to watching this series hmm yeah, uh, well, this being six episodes, I think this is kind of one time. It's like some people talk about the six episode format of being too short uh, and not enough time to mm-hmm. tell the story. I think with this story, I don't think you really needed six episodes. You probably could have done a little two hour movie and it probably would have wrapped up yeah. a lot of the stuff, I don't think. Um, yeah, and, and, yeah, and somebody brought this point up when talking about you know this show with some of the Marvel Disney Plus shows. It's like the problem with them is that the series aren't structured as television series. The story is constructed as a two-hour film that is being stretched out to six episodes, which does not work. Versus something like The Boys, where that is very clearly that is very clearly designed to be episodic television. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, I think a lot of this, you know, you could have maybe wrapped up in a little kind of short two-hour movie. Some of the stuff I, th- I think was but, good. Oh, yes. Yeah, there. Yeah, and all of the stuff that works for me is the stuff between Obi Wan and Darth Vader, especially in the in the final episode. That scene is the best is the best moment of the entire series. Hmm. The entire scene where it's like the aftermath of their big lightsaber fight, and it's just the two of them talking. Yeah, you um, get some great acting from both uh, Ewan McGregor and from Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Um. From you know, uh, from what I can tell, you and McGregor, Hayden Christian, they they really have liked coming back and doing this again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they like like returning to these characters. You know, like playing these characters. Uh, I think if people kind of wondering like, what is Hayden Christian really going to do? You know, the fact that Darth Vader, well, he's mostly in the suit now that he's Darth Vader. Um, you know, how is he really going to appear much in the series? Um, and I think the times he did, we really see him. 
Um, I think he did a very good job. Um, and the final episode, they do have the final big duel, which, of course, people, you know, like Dust said, everybody knows they were going to have the big final duel, especially after episode, I think it was three, uh, you know, mm-hmm. where they did have their duel. Like, you got to have it where Obi-Wan bests him again and wins, it, you know. Um, so, and then again, it ended, you know, with his mask got cut off again, like we said, what would happen, and then, you know, which they already kind of, they already did that in Rebels, where it was Ahsoka yep. versus Vader. Mm-hmm. They did that in Rebels. Um, and that was a great moment, uh, I think, between Vader and between Kenobi, and just the acting between the both of those, and you McGregor, the look on his face of just like, damn, I, I really failed. I mean, this was, you know, this was, this was a big, you know, kind of L for me, and, uh, yeah, that and was... and how it used color with the contrasting colors of the lightsabers. That was beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, even though I think some of the shooting of the lightsaber battle in the end was a little wonky. I, mm-hmm. I Like, the cameraman. Yeah, is I, like, yeah. Yeah, I think there was an issue where they get that big of a stunt team behind this. So it was mostly Ewan and Hayden doing it themselves, uh, from what I could tell. Okay. Hmm. I mean, they did a good job, I think, with the choreography of it. It's just, I think, some of the, the look of it and then, you know, the camera work of it was a little wonky. It's like the, even the cameraman, I mean, I think even he was kind of maybe getting into it. It's like, oh, shit, it's Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader again. Oh, shit, let me get all up in it. Let me swirl around. Let me, let me get all close to it. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it just felt like, yeah, this was just, yeah, I, I kind of, it just kind of threw me off a little bit of it, of, of the way they were shooting it. it was was really weird to me. Um... Yeah, and even like some of the returning kind of even like with the smaller characters, even returning with the like Owen Lars, like you know, Owen and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, what's it, Aunt Baru. Um, I oh. thought they were good. <laughs> oh, the reveal that the reveal that they are one hundred percent about that life. Yeah, I mean, hey, they they live in the country. <laughs> uh, you know, stay strapped, get clapped. <laughs> I mean, hey, they you know they live in the country. They got the guns, and they came out, and I I thought that was a good moment. I think it. <laughs> It made you a little bit again, you know, adds a little bit more context to the relationship of how they felt about kind of Luke and everything mm-hmm. like that. Of like they, hey, they really looked at Luke like their own kid, um, and I, I thought that was really good. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the legacy characters who who came back at playing this part, their parts, did a very good job. I think a lot of the newer additions, uh, you know, I think they're. There's not really, I don't think, a newer edition on the show that was like, wow, that person was really mm-hmm. memorable or like, man, I'd love to see them continued on. It's kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So, for you know, for me, I just thought this series was, it's just it's just fine. I mean, you know, it's it's not spectacular or anything like that. Um, you know, I think it had some really great moments in it. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. the stuff with Ewan, the stuff with Hayden. Uh, the two lightsaber battles, like when he was, you know, like in episode three and then in episode six, I thought were were well done. I thought were very effective. Um, the even the little moments, dialogue moments, where just Hugh McGregor just sitting thinking, like when he's, you know, when he's like the you know, working in the butcher place, or when he's, you know, the, uh, just in his cave, or uh, you know, even like the little dialogue moments when he's talking to Leia. You know, I think those work uh, very very well. It's just as a package as a whole, I think it. This is not very strong, um, and and uh, and not that mm-hmm. it, not that good, uh, but yeah, uh, for me, I would give it a low stream. It for me, uh, Nick. What about you? Yeah, for me, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that this is this is a show that Disney should look at and really reconsider having all of these series 
be six episodes. Because this is something that really could have done everything good that works about it, and you could have done it in a two to two and a half hour film. Um, yeah. All the stuff between uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, all of that stuff is excellent. But this, like Dusk was saying about uh, Thor Love and Thunder, this doesn't rise above the sum of its parts. And some of this is just okay. This is a... This is just pretty meh as a whole it's it's a low stream it but because of ewan mcgregor's performance this is a stream it. Mm. it's bordering on skip it mm. yeah. yeah uh because i i love kenobi kenobi is my favorite star wars character uh really did really want to love it uh, a lot i think andor the andor uh show uh which is about the character from rogue one i think his series is like nine episodes i think i want to say uh, I, I want to say his his episode length is is much longer. But from the trailer of that show, it looks like they're putting good money into that show. Um, it seems like the the look of the trailer for that one. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I would just kind of give it a low stream for myself. Uh, and Nick is also with a low stream it as well. Dust came in with a five out of ten, uh, which is I guess a it's a skip it. It is like a it's like. It's on the border between skip it and stream it, and I only think it's almost like I'm in the middle. I'm in the go find your favorite parts on YouTube with no context and just watch that. Hmm. Yeah. Don't even you don't even watch the whole thing. Just you can just watch that. So technically, it's a stream it, but it's like a skip it. You could skip the series, just watch that in the middle. Yeah. It's just a five eight ten borders on four to ten, but saves itself because. God damn, Ian McGregor is just carrying that on his shoulders. He's just carrying it, and I feel so bad. He must have a lot of chiropractic issues. Uh, and he and Hayden and Christensen at the very end, but he doesn't come well way later. Uh, well, he was also in episode five too, and then yeah, um, but um, he, yeah. like the sec two thirds in to something. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I mean, uh, whether or not I want a season two, I just don't know story-wise really what you. There's could, nothing else for them to do. Because I wouldn't like to see them bring back Darth Vader. I think that's done. I don't. I don't want to see him bring back Darth Vader. Have him fight him again, um, or interact with him. No, he's gonna fight him four more times. He's gonna <laughs> fight him on Mustafar again. They're gonna have Obi Wan's gonna have a shirt off. He's gonna be greased up for some reason. He's gonna oh. be fighting him just so he can glisten and show off <laughs> uh, that he's gotten abs now. Oh. That even the, even though he, that uh, Ian McGregor still got it, this is your personal and, uh, uh, fan fiction, him. huh? Exactly. No, it should be right in the diary. It's all. I mean, all of this is fan fiction. None of this matters. <laughs> yeah. None of this matters. So right yeah, in. like no, no, no. And then he's gonna fly his like, and then uh, later on he's gonna fly in space, and Darth Vader's gonna just be flying the Tie Fighter with the Force because he's done it already, and he's gonna blast turn one hand of the saber, and the other is gonna be fighting the whole Rebel army all by himself. I mean, why not? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I just don't know story wise what you could really do with a with a season two, um, and what you could really interact with uh, there. Um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I don't know about that. Um, I think you could improve upon a lot of elements if you do a season two, bigger budget, mm -hmm. um, and you know, just with more interesting supporting characters. Maybe a you know longer episode length if you have a story that requires it. Um, if not, maybe just do kind of a shorter two-hour movie. Um, yeah, 
Uh, well, some people are talking about maybe they would want a Vader series. I don't want a Vader series. I don't think that's necessary. Eh, uh, it, it really isn't. Uh, you could do something animated where you basically do adapt uh, Marvel's uh, Darth Vader comic, mm. which is legitimately great. Yeah, maybe you could do something like that. Yeah, maybe you could do that. Uh, you know, in a situation like that. Because I know some of the Darth Vader comics are pretty good. I, I, I've heard they are very, very good. Um, so yeah. So yeah, that was Kenobi. Uh, our review of that. Um, alright, so moving on from Kenobi. Uh, gonna be discussing The Boys. The Boys, uh, final episode premiered today. Uh, wow, that seemed like it went fast. I mean, those episodes, like, I mean, I guess because oh, we got yeah. the first three episodes right off the bat that uh yeah yeah that's yeah that's kind of how it goes with uh amazon shows i feel like is is this an invincible the only ones doing that on, on that outlet? Mm. I yeah i think I so i think so because i think stuff like reacher dropped all at once i think other shows do it all at once but they know that this is a hit so yeah they're gonna make you wait yeah uh wait it out mm -hmm. and i think it's it's great to to you know, really watch it week to week. It's something to look forward to week to week. It's like, hey, you know, boys, the boys is out. You know, let's you know go watch it. Um, so uh, in this uh, third season of the boys, uh, we reviewed uh, up till I think episode, I think it was four or five that we did um, before uh, we were gone. Um, the, those reviews are also on YouTube if you guys want to check it out our thoughts on those episodes because we were reviewing it weekly along with kind of like other series like Kenobi and everything like that um, so uh, in this season uh, you have it where the boys are trying to really concoct a plan to ki finally kill Homelander Homelander who seems like is going further and further uh, off the deep end um, and as we talked about in the series Anthony Starr is doing an amazing job as Homelander um, probably one of the best mm -hmm. villains uh, on TV right now um just everything about him like you know it's always great to watch the show because every scene you really just don't know who's gonna make it out you know what i mean like you know even some of the even the main characters it's like is this person gonna go is this person gonna go like you know that that tension that is there always when he's on screen is great and is, is really amazing um so in this season, it kind of deals with a lot of them trying to find a solution to home, uh, Homelander, finally trying to find a weapon to kill him. Um, that weapon may be in the form of Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy, who is a new addition to the cast this season, is played by Jason Eccles. Jason Eccles, who's worked with Eric Kripke before, um, you know, notably on the Supernatural series. Uh, the Supernatural series, which uh, I was the first aware of Jason Eccles. Uh, Jason mm -hmm. Eccles, uh, who I thought did a very, very great job on that series. Uh, Supernatural, if you have never checked it out, I recommend it. Stop after season five don't watch till season 35 <laughs> um you know just stop right there yeah, at season I'm, five yeah and yeah it's like the first five seasons of uh supernatural they're very focused on on uh sam and uh, jared padalecki's character but after that the show becomes much more focused on dean who's played by jensen ackles i guess because the writers realize that one dean's a much more interesting character than sam and jensen's a far better actor yeah yeah. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, I recommend if this is your first time seeing Justin Ackles in The Boys, I recommend his other work like Supernatural. Um, so here he plays Soldier Boy, who is a Captain America uh, kind of parody uh, that you see. He was part of a team uh, back in the day called Payback, which Payback is essentially the Avengers parody, much how like the Dawn uh, uh, the Seven 
uh, our parody of the Justice League uh, from DC Comics. Um, and Soldier Boy from, you know, in this show, kind of how much of this show is, is not very much close to, is not close at all probably to the comic representation. What I know about the comic representation, uh, the comic uh, uh, version of Soldier Boy, mm-hmm. uh, he is nothing like how this character is in the show. Um, Soldier Boy in the comics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the Soldier Boy of the show would fold the Soldier Boy in the comic like a pretzel. Yeah, uh, very much so. Because in the comic, Soldier Boy is very much like a mantle that kind of gets passed down from person to person. Here, it's always been one person. Yeah, yeah, the comics, Soldier Boy is a legacy title. It's like there have been three. uh, Two of them die horrifically. The one that's introduced in uh, the Herogasm story uh, of the boys is basically Ted Cruz with superpowers. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what he's been described. He's also a sniveling little, in the sense that he is a sniveling little bitch boy. (laughs) Much Uh, like Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you kind of have that. Um, And a lot of people have been also, you know, remarking about how this show is so heavily different from the comics and how happy they are with that. Uh, And a lot of people are surprised about how the comic, how edgelordy it is, how it's become how it adapted to be one of the best shows on all of TV, uh, uh, which is very, very surprising to a lot of people. Um, and with this season, I think it continues the strong nature of the boys. I think, you know, so far, I don't think it's had a bad season. Um, in regards to where is this season rank amongst the other seasons, um, it's tough to say because I'd have to probably go back and really rewatch all the seasons again. Um, I don't want to do you know, have recency bias to go like, well, this was the best season. Uh, but I thought, again, mm-hmm. uh, The Boys really does a lot of great stuff here and leaves you wanting to see a season four. Um, it just I think mm-hmm. after this season, it just comes to like, OK, how long could you continue this and how far can we really go with these type of character dynamics? Um, one more season, two more seasons. Uh, you know, typically I'm a guy that goes like a show really kind of shouldn't really go past five seasons because I think you could you know get all the material there. I'd of. argue four, four, I, I'd, four I'd, is peak. I'd, I'd say like four to six seasons at most. Mm. Okay, six is really four, pushing four to, it. Four to six if you're being generous. Yeah, four is peak. End it there. Five if you really have enough material mm-hmm. to push it to five, but don't push it further than that. Mm-hmm. But with this, I think I think Eric Kripke is writing this show with the definitive end in mind. Especially without, uh, before we get into spoilers, the way this season ends, there is an end date for the show. It might be next season, it might be the season after that. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Kripke does come into, uh, you know, a show with a plan like he did with Supernatural. He had his plan for that show. Um, and, you know, he did what he did and he left. Uh, so it could be the same situation here with the boys where he is coming to this with a plan, um, and, and a perfect, you know, conclusion he wants to come here. Um, so, uh, what were kind of your guys' thoughts on season three of the boys, favorite moments, any least favorite moments, everything like that? So for me, the boys comic is not good at all. And it's not good. It is essentially Garth Ennis punishing himself and his audience for ever liking any aspect of the superhero genre and it is very just like edge lordy frat boy with a fight club poster kind of sense of humor Mm. but how he handles this show 
it up until like the whole like big selling point of the season was episode six of this was going to be adapting hero gap hmm. which is basically just a one big superhero orgy and the fact that he managed to take that story adapt it the way he did and end up making one of the best episodes of the show in terms of how it still plays around with the character dynamics how it advances every single character's arc it's masterful television and it has one of the most satisfying endings out of all of these mm. okay thus um i agree wholeheartedly with nick i've had a problem with the writer who makes uh, who made the boys and preacher mm-hmm. he has very interesting ideas but he seems to hate the field he's got he went into really does not like superheroes and just basically for an entire comics run punished you for ever liking the superhero mantle so much so that ironically we got one of the best superman comic runs because of it who answered equivocally because of the boys and that's where we get the famous what's wrong with Su- truth justice in the american way from superman versus the elites mm-hmm. uh so that actually came out relatively around when the boys was running and a lot of people in the comic medium who are people kind of who worked with that was like the rebuttal which is okay and your point uh ultimately super like uh, yeah you can have homelander that's fine he's just a big dumb oaf who's mm-hmm. a narcissist in your su- comic series <clears throat> well to man the elites he fights a gang of misfits and people who abuse their power and want to get things done and Superman yeah, he, in response. He's a, yeah, the elite, yeah. he's essentially fighting the boys. I mean, there's a lot of overlap in kind of like Manchester Black and Billy. Exactly. Black. Exactly. That's the point. It's supposed to be an overlap, but Superman answers it in the best concise reason why superheroes exist and why it's important to have dreams and aspirations and why it's important to believe that humanity is worth is worth time and worth helping each other and doing whatever. It's a beautiful comic and really accentuates why Superman is so long is like had such longevity as a character and will continue to do so because he is an inspiring character. And unequivocally why all of these like modern what if Superman was evil? Yeah, it doesn't work. work. Doesn't work just from the get-go cannot work because the character is the personification of hope and mm-hmm. you can't destroy that uh quoting from viva vendetta uh it's more than a symbol and symbols are bulletproof and mm-hmm. you can't destroy that but the well i mean you like, like omni-man the actual sh- yeah i'm sorry well don't you don't you two like omni-man we do but he's less of a he's superman. superman he's less of a superman parody in more of like or more of a of a Jita type character. Yeah, very more. He's, he 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 is superhero. He is according to much, Superman and only empowers. There, there is much more Dragon Ball in Invincible than there is Superman. Mm. Yeah, it really is its own thing. Uh, but the reason I brought up brought up and I agree with Nick on that is just like the show TV show Preacher that was released on AMC, they've taken a piece of work that didn't quite work in the comic, mm-hmm. but was a neat idea. And then found a way to take all those ideas and really, really embellish on them and make them better. And really work with them. And like the main reason that the boys show works so well is they add 
the, this little thing, I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't know if uh, you guys heard of it. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure Garth Ennis hasn't ever yeah. called Nuance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuance, in, yeah. In depth, in well, allowing all of your antagonists to also be characters in this show. Yeah. It, for as despicable as a character like Homelander and even Soldier Boy to an extent, Especially you Soldier get Boy. moments with them where you understand. It's something that we talked about that uh, Josh, you and I talked about during our euphoria review about like the character Nate Jacobs. You hate this character, but you understand. You're asked to have empathy with them. You're not asked to have sympathy. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with this series, yeah. Um, I think it's done, you know, kind of from what I know about the comics, uh, a kind of head and shoulders better job than what the comic did um and if you're look, kind of looking for comic accuracy when it comes to this show you're not going to get it because there's tons of different Fuck changes <laughs> there's tons of different changes they make uh from uh the comic that's that's kind of there um and i think it, a lot of people have said it's for the better um and i loved a lot what they do and then with this season kind of coming into it uh with the addition of kind of soldier boy being this character um i think you know the big theme with this season seems like it's it's men and their relationship to their fathers. Uh, that was kind of <clears> like, it seems like that was kind of the big theme of this season because you see the relationship Jason Eccles there. Um, and this is also, this is a spoiler review for The Boys Season mm-hmm. 3. Uh, we're going to be doing whole spoilers there. I don't know if we mentioned that at the beginning. Um, but you see kind of the relationship there, Jason Eccles, like when there's in the last episode, uh, Soldier Boy talks about the relationship he had with his father. And we already know the mm-hmm. myriad of, mother daddy issues that homelander has being a guy that was raised in a lab and constantly experimented on uh, and and we are well aware of homelander's mommy fetish yeah uh you we see that uh there um and we also see stan edgar bring that up uh where he says you know you looking for approval like i'm your (laughs) like i'm your daddy Uh, (laughs) yeah it's like john carlo he has so many moments he, as an actor, I feel like he gets typecast as Gus Fring types a lot, mm. but his moments where he just shits on Homelander always make me laugh. It's, it's like, where, a little respect, where would he even go besides that bottomless pit of insecurity you call a soul? Mm. Yeah, the, but there's also great little scenes with Homelander that, mm-hmm. one of my favorites, and I mean, if he's not nominated for something... Uh, that scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror is oh, absolutely God. chilling. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And everything when he's talking about it, you just see, you are what you made them, guys. And mm-hmm. and he's and he's starting to let go of his leash. He's it, starting and- to pull it off of his neck. I don't know how much more shit Edgar can keep talking him, because it's not going to end up like the comics where nothing happens to Edgar. That's not mm-hmm. the same Homelander. He's not an idiot like he is in this show. Mm-hmm. The show yeah, is and, actually smart. Yeah, and and something that is so well done is that dynamic between Edgar and Homelander. Is that Edgar knows that Homelander can just murder the shit out of him at any moment. He doesn't care. Yeah. Mm. Edgar is... Edgar's, it's also interesting because when you really break it down, Homelander so desperately wants to be loved and desired... At least just be respected and desired by somebody. Mm-hmm. He keeps looking for it. And now that it's starting to come to the to go ahead, he's starting to make that realization that he's just like, well, maybe if I just remove that part of myself, I can be truly unstoppable. 
that's, do I that's, really need approval from anyone? Yeah, but that's like the chilling part of yeah. the very last scene of the episode. It is. That's what makes that so terrifying. It because, does. Because I don't know if we want to give it away now. No, no not wait. now. We're going to uh, <clears throat> wait till we get there. Yeah, this... There, I think this finale isn't as strong as season two's is, but the threads that it sets up for season four are beautifully, yeah, terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so a lot of big kind of moments with this season. Like I said, they're trying to look for a way. Um, they're trying to use uh, the boys. They're trying to use Soldier Boy as a weapon to kill Homelander. Uh, but it's a little tit for tat because in order to for Soldier Boy to for them for him to kill Homelander, uh, they're also helping him uh, hunt down members of his old team Payback because um, you you see him kind of going around and kind of hunting old members of his team. Um, you also kind of see uh, you know I think this season I think now that's in season three. You see a lot more moments with the other boys members, like with uh, Mother's Milk, who I think um, was really his season this season out of the boys members. I think mm-hmm. he really got a lot of great stuff to do yeah. uh, this same, season. Same. I, I think if uh, it's something that this show has improved drastically since season two was giving more character beats to the other members of the boys. Like Lazalonzo, he's phenomenal in this season. Uh, 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 Karen Fukuhara as Kimiko, she gets so much more depth. And yeah. also, one of the greatest performances in a comic book show without a single line of spoken dialogue. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they do a lot more stuff with the, the other boys members here. And like we talked about, like a lot of father issues you see with, you know, mm-hmm. Mother's Milk is haunted by the murder of his family, you know, by Soldier Boy, and how that trauma is carrying over into now with his daughter and then his relationship with his child. Um, you kind of see that of his constant need to, you know, for revenge against Soldier Boy. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of great stuff with him this season. Um, the stuff with Frenchie and his storyline uh, with Little Nina, I just was never that into it. Uh, I was never that interested mm-hmm. in it. I think it kind of, uh, I don't think it really goes anywhere except for maybe, you know, well, I guess the whole, I guess the point of that storyline was to set up, you know, Frenchie being a little bit more independent away from, you know, people telling mm-hmm. him what to do. And then the stuff with uh, Kimiko, uh, Kimiko was just like her realizing that she's, the powers aren't what make her um you know uh, a monster you know maybe she kind of was always had a little bit of that inside her but the powers help her defend the people that she loves and you know most importantly it helps her defend you know you know frenchie for instance a person that she cares about Mm -hmm. and loves and yeah yeah and yeah and speaking of like what you were saying about how like the main main uh theme of this season is 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 fathers and daddy speaking of jensen ackles but um It's also a little bit elements of touching on, you know, the big theme of 2022, generational trauma. Yeah, generational trauma, baby. Add it to the generational list. Generational trauma, baby. Yeah. And um, and just talking about uh, Laz Alonzo's Mother's Milk, his arc, you get an entire uh, episode where you do, where you flash back to a butcher's childhood and the abuse that he faced at uh with his father who appeared briefly in season two played by john noble yeah and a whole reason why uh butcher's arc takes the turn that it does with huey Mm. yeah uh yeah dusk that's kind of your uh 
Yeah, I think a lot of characters get a little bit more time to shine the way they should. Specifically Mother's Milk. Yeah, he finally gets just some moment to have a character in this. Because, and they've done a lot better at getting characters have little moments here and, th- and just kind of mm-hmm. bring up character details, which is nice to see overall. Um, uh, especially characters that we get to find reveals on, like characters like Noir or a couple of others, where, uh, yeah, they are very different. This season, if the other seasons were a change, differentiating a little bit different from the comics season three feels the most different from the comics mm-hmm. like yeah they, yeah they completely change black noir from the comics they also um in this season especially they take more stylistic chances oh yeah like what there's an entire like musical sequence here i think in episode five that i thought yeah. was pretty well done yeah and even uh in episode seven with uh Flashback. I don't want to give away the context, but there's an entire animated sequence in here that is yeah. brilliantly done. With any other show, they would have just felt like, we did this because we wanted to. And yeah. they are doing that here, but they're also beats used to advance characters and their arcs. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know really how much more I can really go into this without going into specifics, but yeah. I will say this. If you didn't like season two, and I can understand if people didn't, if you weren't a fan of the show, season two, maybe you liked season one and then thought season two fell off a bit, mm-hmm. season three comes back. It, mm-hmm. it, it, turn, it writes the ship, and it starts going into better waters. And really, I can't see the series going any more than to see season four or five if you really push it. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're going to get back on board, now's the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's all right if you or if you haven't even watched the boys at all, which is okay, totally cool. If you hadn't even bothered, I think now would be a good time to hop on. I yeah. think you have enough stuff that you can get a fuller context what's going on and kind of get ready for it to be finished off. I say with with un with a uh, with a heavy hope that they don't cock it up like the Game of Thrones and we and I end up regretting these words. But yeah. if you want to check it out, now's the time. I think. Yeah. Well, well, there's also, like, if you're going to compare this to something like Game of Thrones, one, the source material is already done. Sure. So there's no need for, like, Eric Kripke and co. to, like, spin their wheels after they yeah. run out of book material. And two, the show has already, like, drastically improved the quality over the, in quality over uh, the books. Yeah. Uh, the other characters here, Huey, um, this season... I, I still like his character. I think they still did some good stuff with him. Mm-hmm. I did like his stuff with Starlight. Um, and like I said, you know, kind of a, a good theme of, you know, like the season, generational trauma, you know, fatherhood, you know, boys and, and their fathers. Toxic masculinity. Especially yeah. In, uh, um, and his with, dynamic with Butcher and Soldier Boy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even kind of looking up to kind of guys like, you know, Huey from his perspective, looking at guys like Butcher and Soldier Boy to even some degree. Uh, but then realizing, like, you know, a lot of that stuff with Soldier Boy is bullshit. You know, him being this macho, tough guy. He never, he never did D-Day, never, you know, stormed the beaches of Normandy, never did any of that shit. He came in there for a photo shoot. You know, yeah. it's like he... A little, yeah. a little target practice at Kent State. Had a firing hose in Birmingham. Yeah, you know what I mean? And so it's like kind of all that stuff is bullshit. Um, Which is weird, though, because he's actually really good at fighting. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess there wouldn't be any harm in him actually storming anything because he can't get hurt. I mean, it's it's a character that can't, you know, really physically get hurt at all, really. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, he, he feels like a better parody of what Captain America should have been. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to do a parody of Captain America, you take what are the negative aspects that could have been from nationalism and patriotism and really turn up the negative bad aspects and you get soldier boy someone who's an egotistical narcissistical patriotic nationalist piece of crap who only cares about his own self-interest and and how he's represented in film and his reputation and doesn't let anyone else stand alongside him in any equal measure and then you give the and then you give that guy superpowers and you see what happens uh captain america is like the idealized what we hope we can kind of get with a kind of person like that he's what a good person who's given all those opportunities becomes mm-hmm. and soldier boy is what would have happened of someone who was a bad guy or a bad at heart was given the opportunity he, he's basically the what if of what if the bully from the first avenger exactly got the super soldier exactly and this is and this is what you get and if you're horrified by it you're you making, you're making yeah. that guy's point you should be and yeah. you're and this is making uh the the guy the scientist's point yeah um, and there's that, there is that great scene where, you know, they do like when he wakes up and gets onto the world after being trapped there for 40 years, it's like the reaction that we expect Captain America to have when he woke up. It's like, because he's kind of looking around, he's kind of going like, what the fuck? Like dudes holding hands. Like sees two gay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, sees like a, a dad on a commercial with like baby carriers. It was like, pfft. Hey, Bill Cosby was America's dad, and he wouldn't be caught <laughs> dead in that pussy gear. Yeah. <laughs> and he used to make some strong drinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, uh, I guess in the in the boys' universe, Bill Cosby made even such strong drinks, it it uh, it could knock out a person who had <laughs> superpowers. You know what? Honestly, no, that's for, a double-layered no, joke, and I appreciate it. That was actually a pretty good joke. <laughs> that works on many layers and i appreciated that one <laughs> yeah it's like got which speaking of the show it does balance the action its horror elements and its comedy beats work so well yeah yeah uh but yeah the stuff with with huey i think this season was was a good uh, i don't think he's as strong as he's been in probably past seasons i don't think mm, i think because yeah. they're you know exploring more of the other boys members mm. uh yeah but, I, th- I i think huey's arc might be one of the weaker of the season because it doesn't really come to a point up until the last episode where mm. he, he does have that moment with Starlight where he kind of unpacks everything. And mm. that's where I thought it works really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, was... and what in possibly revisiting the season with that ending in mind might might shift my opinion on his arm. Yeah. Um, I kind of some other I think kind of uh, weaker elements of season. Um, the reason why I don't think you could really is like how far can this show go? It's like stuff with the deep. Um, I think mm-hmm. you know he's pathetic again mm-hmm. here as he was in past seasons. He's always been a pathetic, sniveling little character, and he's good for a good comedic moments where they even parody Gal Gadot, uh, Gadot's Imagine video. That's in here. That's funny. Um, like how they always bring in other you know real life pop culture stuff into this show. Uh, even included even included Black Noir with cue cards. Yeah, you know, that was, I thought that was a good moment. They strike those moments really beautifully in the show. Um, it's just that, you know, besides for him being a joke and like a sniveling coward uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and somebody who's pathetic, it's just like, eh, okay. I mean, you know, and he also, there's a joke of him fucking the fish. 
you know, it's like, okay, I mean, you know, where where else can we yeah. really go with this? And he no, this- is he is kind of a one note joke, and he is possibly the weakest one in this season. Yeah. But that's also contrasted with A Train, who actually takes an interesting turn. Yeah, this season you say with A Train. Um, well, Dust, let me get your thoughts. What do you think about kind of the deep uh, this season? Uh, the deep is the deep is like a one note character. He was he started off with two notes, and then as the series has gone on, they demoted him to one note and focused mm-hmm. on other things. Mm-hmm. And then with this season, they tried to give him like a little bit of a note back. But I think the damage is kind of done for his character. That unless something radically happens now, I don't think he'll. I honestly don't think they'll have much of a reason to bring him back unless he does something really stupid, which is possible. Mm. Really, really possible for him to really just think he I mean, has. I, you know, go ahead, go for broke. Yeah, yeah I like. Uh, <clears throat> I like the the deep. I like his uh, the performance that uh, Chase Crawford gives. Mm-hmm. It is very one note of just look how pathetic this guy is, but he plays that note really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good performance. I like him. It's just like, okay, I mean, okay, you know what I mean? It's kind of just weird, like, what else he got? Weird thing to say about a sexual predator, but okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that guy. I mean, and, you know, now that in the show, the seven has become the two. Um, you know, or, <laughs> the three. Yeah, well, I guess if you you include Ashley, I guess, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if A Train will stick around in next season. I don't know. And that was, in speaking of the deep, that was a really fun dynamic uh, was delved in on of the deep and Ashley, and just them using their together one brain cell. Yeah, I mean, just their absolute fear of of Homelander. Um, you know, this season, like, is, there's a line is like, "Is your idiot brain getting fucked by stupid?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you and know, it's, it's like there. There, there they are. There they are. It's the two of them. Uh, and who's the actress who plays Ashley? I forgot her name. Oh, Colby Minifee. She is phenomenal on that. She, I recognize no. her mostly from as being the bitchy neighbor from Jessica Jones. Oh, right. She was in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's, she's also very good in this show. And, and a lot of beats with her work very well. And... I think the, even the uh, the ending of this uh, season three, they do kind of a good moment with her that maybe comes will come in handy later. Um, this and you bring up A Train. So A Train this season, um, you see kind of at first he's trying to do a thing because the first beginning of the season, you, you know, if you remember, he has an issue with his heart from taking you know all that uh, experimental kind of steroid version of Compound V. Uh, what was it called? Uh, I forgot. Oh, no, he was just shooting up Compound V. Oh, okay. It was just like he was just taking straight count out of it. Okay. Um, and that had done all this damage to his heart. Now he can't, you know, he can't run anymore. Um, and also gets, you know, fat shamed by Homelander. There's a lot of good, you know, fat jokes uh, by Homelander here. Uh, to I can still see your girdle that you're wearing, you fat fuck. <laughs> see your, I can still see your girdle, you disgusting fat fuck. Now get off the, get off the fucking stage. Yeah. Uh, smiling <laughs> every time he does it. Uh, which was, I thought, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, there was, you know, that was, that, that made for some kind of good comedy there, good, good moments. Um, and then he ends up, it's like, well, I want to, you know, reconnect back with my roots again. Uh, that, that was hilarious. Um, and did a whole thing. Reconnect th- back to my Africa roots. You know, A-Train goes to Africa. What was it? Yeah, A-Train, yeah, runs to Africa. Oh, yeah, A-Train to Africa. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, 
which I couldn't tell if that was like meant to be a dig at Mark with uh, all of the, uh, you know, the marketing behind Black Panther. I hmm. think that was definitely a dig at Marvel. I mean, there was a dig at just corporations in general with the uh, oh the, yes. the Pride, the Disneyland, oh. quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, which is such a great uh, visual gag. It's like a LGB turkey legs uh, walk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pride this... lunch, pride whatever. Yeah. BLM burgers. Oh, yeah. There's tons of stuff like that uh, in this season. So you kind of have that with him. Um, and but he kind of comes into kind of conflict of in I think a lot of what A Train this season was kind of supposed to also talk about was being a, you know kind of a black celebrity being in a position of power mm-hmm. and how are you going to utilize that power and that influence and then kind of being trying to actually speak out on these issues uh, but kind of being crushed by this other corporate force who you know what I mean doesn't it's like yeah we don't want to want to ruffle any feathers but you know we'll have the person who is brutally murdering people. Uh, he'll just give an apology. Is that okay? I mean, he'll just give a good, you know, decent little apology. Just, and, give, uh, a half, just give a half-assed apology that goes so wrong so fast. Yeah. Um, who you have is uh, Blue Hawk here, um, who, you know, A-Train uh, comes to contention with, who is uh, a person who's over-patrolling uh, uh, black neighborhoods in this. Um, I, I thought that, I, got, I think that stuff with him, I think this season was pretty good. I think, you know, A-Train, like Mother's Milk, uh, you know, like how kind of, you know, A-Train is amongst the seven. I think, you know, the past couple of seasons, there really wasn't really much with him uh, there uh, besides, okay, you know, he killed kind of the Hughes girlfriend and then, you know, he just looked at his like this big asshole kind of guy. Um, I think this season you... There is a turn with him, um, especially the moment where he meets Huey at Herogasm. And, you know, even though he did fuck up, he did make a mistake. And he hasn't paid for that mistake. I mean, he killed somebody, mm-hmm. and he also killed his girlfriend. Um, yeah, he killed several people. And he's killed many people in his paid for nothing, basically. And even Ashley points that out in, in dressing him down. Yeah. It was like, oh, because it happened to you, now you care. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, I was, and I was with her. It's like... Bitch, you were covering it up. Like, yeah. Yeah, fuck you, Adrian. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, but he does look at him in the eyes and just gives a good, you know, I mean, he does it, give it gives a, an actual apology, a genuine apology, which I was not expecting from what I know about A-Train as a character thus far. Oh, yeah. And also, let's also be fair, if we're comparing comic, uh, this, this is going a lot more than he was in the comics where... Uh, in the comics, this was way quicker. He did not last as long as he has in this show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's yeah. for, for a lot of characters. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of like what they kind of did with him uh, this season, and with the conclusion of him, you know, he ends up, you know, killing uh, Blue Hawk, um, and then they give him his heart, uh, and then now he's able to have his kind of powers again uh, because he has this brand new heart now. Uh, but then, you know, the fact that, you know, he goes back to his brother, his brother who's now in the wheelchair because of Blue Hawk going crazy because of his, you know, violence. Um, and seeing that, it's like, well, I didn't want you to kill him. I wanted you to have him face justice for what he did to, you know, know that, you know, so I can, so my kids can see that. And how the fact that it's like mm-hmm. everything you touch, you just ruin. And, you know, A-Train kind of deserves that. I mean, a lot of, like, a lot of these heroes, I mean, he's been very selfish and gotten away with things, killing people, you know, doing terrible, awful things because he can, because, you know, he's, he's a superhero. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And 
even when he tries to do the right thing, it's never for the right reasons. It's because he wants to make himself feel better. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was funny that even his even his own uh, family cracked on that ugly ass suit that he had on with all those kind of colors. <laughs> uh, yeah. As you should. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I, I kind of did like that stuff with him. Um, yeah, I, I thought this season was yeah was another kind of strong season. Besides for kind of the the stuff I mentioned before about the Frenchy little Nina stuff, which I wasn't into. Um, the kind of the stuff with Huey. I don't think Huey was as strong as he was the past seasons, but uh, I, I still thought he was pretty good. Uh, but Mother's Milk was a big standout for me, and then his whole dynamic uh, this season with uh, his uh, wife's new husband, Todd. I think is his name, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Fucking Todd. He just—I mean—he just looks like a Todd, don't he? Like, like you just like if you had to come up with a name, like even if you didn't know his name, it's like yeah, I bet your name is like Todd or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it was like, how do you make a character that I hate so much more than Homelander? Yeah, you hate him more than Homelander. You think? I saw some people say that. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a sniveling one, sniveling little bitch, and he is just so incredibly annoying in that he is like, hey, do your own research. Look outside the main mainstream media. <laughs> like, Starlight's trafficking in kids. He is that fucking QAnon bitch boy that, need, that needed the shit smacked out of him. Mm. When Mother's Milk decked him, I clapped. Mm. Dusk, what about you? Do you think... Todd, and then also some people were saying that Ryan was also, for them, more hated, uh, they hated them more than Homelander this season. What are your feelings uh, on that? No, Ryan is a child. That I can forgive. I can forgive I'm Ryan a being a child. Mm. Okay, so... Mm. I, Todd is a... Todd is a sellout in every mm. state of the word. Uh, how Monique got interested in him, I'm not sure. I need to know how the fuck that happened. <laughs> I also think Monique is a terrible care is a terrible person. The only nice thing she ever said was at the very end, was like the very beginning with um, when she and uh, Mother's Milk are talking, and she basically says, "Look, I'm sorry I put you through all that and trying to make you something that you aren't." And I'm really sorry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that. thank you. That needed to have been said. Uh, that still doesn't change the fact that you went from a character who has clearly a lot of issues for soups to a guy who loves the crap out of Homelander. Yeah. And you're just like, all right, like, former husband that I still might have feelings for, but like, a, just divorce me. Yeah, yeah, having a fucking seven-themed birthday party for their kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very, like, not cool in a lot of ways. And also how this season ends, Todd just solidifies what kind of a piece of crap he kind of is. Yeah. That he's just willing to... He's just such a yes man that it, it he doesn't think about anything in the long run. And yeah, when he just gets belt, that's like, yes, yes, that yeah, needed to which- happen. Which I think Todd is supposed to be, because the show touches on so much with pop culture, Todd is meant to be like a stand-in for like a QAnoner. Hmm. Yeah, I wanted to also get into that before we kind of wrap up with our final thoughts on it and reviews. 
Um, so this season, you know, there was kind of, you see a lot of parallels drawn between things like you have people who are, you know, like fans in this show. Uh, you have a crowd of people who are Stormfront supporters, even after she got outed as a Nazi. Um, yep. And then... And then you even have like an actual, you know, website called Stormfront, which is like a, a Nazi website. Even though you, you do have yeah, that. that. Yeah, uh, that's basically what uh, Garth Ennis based the character on in the in the comic. Yeah. Okay. Also, so you did Stormfront. And, yeah. Also, Stormfront mm-hmm. in the comics is a guy. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. took like four or five. The way Stormfront was taken out in the comics is completely different. It's much more of like an ambush that doesn't go quite right, and then Butcher ends up finding a way to kind of ambush him when that all goes wrong because Stormfront likes to talk. And they work it out that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. they actually have way more nuance with this. Way more and, the characters, way better yeah, and, for it. And the this. show basically makes her Laura Ingram superpowers. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um. So I want to kind of get you guys' opinion on that this mm-hmm. season of when they kind of draw on mm-hmm. these parallels. Do you think like those are too on the nose? Do you think it's too much? You know what I mean? Like so representative of like you know like Trump rallies and even Homelander as a Trump esque figure. Um, I mean, hmm. I mean, the show kind of has always been that way. Mm. Okay. The show has always been very on the nose with its satire and with its uh, political commentary. It's it all, even as I say, the show's like has nuanced writing. The nuance comes from how it writes its characters in these situations. Hmm. Everything else is very on the nose, mm. and it pretty much has been since day one. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how much on the nose it can be. I mean, if if you have people who think that Soldier Boy and Homelander are antiheroes, but uh, <laughs> well, media li- well media literacy is dead. Yeah. Uh, Dusk, what do you kind of think? Do you think this season more than any other season is is has more political commentary, or do you think it's about the same? I think it has different political commentary, mm-hmm. but there's more in some ways than there are in others. I think what this season did more is, look, we're just not going to talk to you about it or shove it in your face and do it. We're just going to put it there. We're not even going to try and force it. We're just going to be, here's here's it surrounded. You figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it's just in the world. Yeah, it, it points out why something like doing these kinds of like political stuff in the boys' works Versus when the CW does it in something like Supergirl, where in that show, it's so on the nose and so shoved down your throat that even when I agree with what they're saying, it's getting annoying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just all in the tone and all in the writing um, of of how you do it, and I think this show is perfectly does a great job at that. And I think the Todd character, you know, speaking about you know this season of you know men and masculinity and all this other thing, you know, you have a guy like that, you know, in Todd who I think really, you know, lives his masculinity through a guy like Homelander, um, you know, a guy that you know has all these powers that can do what he wants, and then you see with Todd, his... Todd a hundred percent had a Tyler Durden poster in college. Mm. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean probably. I mean, yeah, I mean he kind of lives through. You see kind of some of these guys who do live through these kind of figures and and so kind of admire these figures and then you have that with the Todd character and then Homelander this season of, you know, saying what's on his mind and, you know, getting all this praise and love for it, something that he thought he'd be hated for saying. You know, he has a fan base mm-hmm. who just adores him for saying it. Um and then the final episode, the final moment of this uh episode you have where Homelander, you know, he throws the guy throws something and then he just lazes him in front of everybody. 
um, and then he's met with applause, you know. Um, and it's it's like a trickle effect yeah. because one person, it's the Todd, it's, it's his bitch ass. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he starts cheering, and then everybody, then everybody's like, okay, well, I guess if he's cheering, then hey, I guess it's cool. Then we can, you know, we're having a good reaction to this, you know. Yeah, yeah and it's like so horrific in that you know the past couple of years that the even if like a lot of politicians and public figures even if we like deep down knew they were monsters they would still try to save face publicly and now it's like a guy can like openly admit to sexually assaulting women and get elected president hmm. yeah. um i mean like, I... monsters don't even have to pretend to be like good people and hmm. yeah. um yeah. so um yeah and then we're i guess we're gonna talk about also like uh thoughts for like what we think after that final moment uh what's gonna probably lead up into kind of season four uh but also i would kind of want to get to just like also one little issue i had before we do um so soldier boy's power like his whole like i was kind of a little confused on how it worked like his radioactive um ability um so so does it like does it kill lower level soups and humans but then with people who are more powerful soup characters they just it fries the v out of them or i I think it like depends on how much v is like the tnt like a spoilers for herogasm because he vaporized the tnt twins yeah and and he like straight up like blasts them with that chest so from what i understand his power is a it's like a de-atomizer. So basically, mm-hmm. um, if you have any unnatural Vought, uh, the, uh, for like you're for stage one, any stage one that's around you, it will set off a chain reaction that will chemically just kill any soup that is unstable and has those very first ones. So for those of like his teammates, it will just nuke the crap out of them. Except for maybe Black Noir, who, because he got upped with more stuff, he'd be able to maybe survive it a little bit, but he's still going to be horribly damaged. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's basically artificially born, there's only one character that's basically completely immune from it, and that's um, Homelander's son, because he's the only naturally born. Where mm-hmm. he di- he wasn't injected, he was just, it just got it through genetics. So mm-hmm. he's the only one that's basically immune to that. Anyone else, even Homelander, if he got hit with the blast, he would just get completely like damn he if nothing else if he didn't die from it his power would be gone it would be removed from his system and he'd just be a normal human being yeah uh so when Maeve when she tackled soldier boy out the window yeah shouldn't she have you think she should have died this episode this episode pretty explicitly says that Maeve is on the same level strength wise as homeland yeah so basically she would have her power her powers got removed yeah are we talking spoilers now? Yeah. This is Okay. So basically, yeah, her powers got okay. removed. Okay. Okay, but before we get to like the Maeve thing, yeah. there's something that just made me die laughing. Because we get the reveal in the previous episode that Soldier Boy is Homelander's father. And they say at the beginning that he told Butcher and Who Huey. And there's like this coin flip of is Soldier Boy gonna hold up his end of the deal and kill Homelander? Mm-hmm. And this entire like set up to be an emotional confrontation and Jensen Eccles drops the line maybe if I raised you you wouldn't have turned out to be such a pussy <laughs> uh-huh. and I was like 
<laughs> I was just dying laughing. Yeah. Like I said, hey, that generational trauma, man. I mean, yeah, he's passed it down. Uh, yeah, I mean, because it looked like it was... Okay, but back to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I always thought that, you know, Soldier Boy and Homelander would team up and Butcher. That's where I thought this was going, uh, based yeah. off the uh, last episode. Yeah. But uh, the, the Queen Maeve thing, so what were you saying there, Dusk, about mm-hmm. the Queen Maeve? Oh, Queen, yeah. So if she's at a similar level and she her powers get removed and she's alive, that's the same thing will happen to Homelander, basically. Mm-hmm. She's near his strength, at least in that. Mm-hmm. It, if nothing else, he may not if even if he retains even a little bit of suit power, he's ne- he's not going to be invulnerable anymore. He's not going to have whatever anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's what they need to get, and they've somehow still failed it every single time. And it's even now going to be even harder than it was before. The only one that's basically just probably going to be immune is well Ryan, mm-hmm. and Ryan's not in the best hands at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Which which uh is speaking so well about like general trauma because i'm sure butcher when he kind of told off Ron, he did it with the intent of protecting him it was like stay away from me kid uh you'll be safer that way yeah and he just ended up pushing him into the hands of homelander yep yeah um yeah i i thought yeah uh it was it was a great final episode uh with a lot of great moments uh the fight scenes in this show um, have been very good, um, especially for a show that, you know, with the budget it has. I think it does a great job. Like in <laughs> episode six with Herogasm, when it was Butcher and Huey and Soldier Boy versus Homelander, that was, I thought, a great fight sequence. Um, and in this final scene, um, you know, final episode where you have all of them teaming up against Soldier Boy, um, and even a little kind of team up between Butcher and Homelander where they kind of give that look to each other. I thought that was a great moment. <laughs> it's like the second you lay a hand on the kid, we good? Yeah. Um, you know, which, if you know about the comics, Butcher, he wouldn't have given a fuck about that kid. That's that's for sure. I don't think I don't think he would have uh, done anything for <laughs> oh, that. Oh, in the comics? Uh, in the comics, it's way worse and way less interesting where it's a, oh yeah, um... Oh, Homelander uh, rapes Becca, and then a year she tries to hide the pregnancy until the the baby basically just claws its way out of her, and she dies. And then it's like with its laser eyes and crap. And then he belts it to death with the lamppost, and that's why he hates soups. Anyway, he's gonna kill Homelander. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, yeah, no, it's super edge lord. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you know, in regards to that final scene from this, uh, season, where do you guys think season four is going? So there, there's an arc in the comic about, uh, you know, um, Vic, Vicky Newman, who in the show is played by a, she, they're basically doing that. And it is essentially a coup by Vought to take over the country and starts like relaxing a lot of the laws against uh, superheroes and letting them basically run wild. And I think that's where the show is going. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Dusk? Yeah. I think the show of of Homelander not not shying away from what he is anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's done pretending to be loved, and now he's like, "Well, no, he realized he realized, 
he can he realized that he can be as monstrous as he wants to be and still be loved. Yep. The whole time he was trying to play face, now he's just like, nah, I think I'll just be me now. And I'm uh, later, and I can really do whatever the fuck I want. Basically, yeah. And so he he's going to he's going to show off. What will be interesting is seeing how Butcher is gonna, Billy's going to deal with that because now he's basically failed his what his his final words to his wife. Uh, he basically failed. He's failed twice now, uh, and he let Ryan be handed in the hands of a monster that she never wanted in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and now they're going to have to deal with that. He's also terminal at this point from using too much V twenty four. He's keeping that hidden for now. Yeah. Uh, Huey, hopefully, hopefully, is just going to stop taking the crap because I think he's been—he mm-hmm. doesn't want to do it anymore, and he's seeing what he's becoming, and he's like, "Nah, man, I, I want to keep some of my soul. I still have a chance to save myself, and I'm going to mm-hmm. do it." And it, everyone else like is that, like, "Yeah, like we that, want you to stay, you." It's like that entire speech that that he gives to Starlight. That entire monologue. It's back. Yeah, I, when I was a kid, my dad would just like wouldn't fight for uh, after my mom left, and he always saw it as weakness, but. He was really just staying strong for Huey, which I thought was a very beautifully done scene and a great it, performance by by Jack Quaid. And yeah. so, finally, Huey got his head out of it. And even just like that little line, it was like, yeah, I know every five, every neuron in your brain is screaming to tell me I told you so. I also think um, Starlight needs to take a piece of humble pie and a lot of. I think a lot of those also interesting. A lot of people started to hate Starlight this season because no, no, Starlight is the one actual superhero on this entire. I think show. some people started to hate some aspect when she started hitting on Huey. The thing about the show is both characters are written well. That you <laughs> see where both characters are coming from, and even with Huey being as it, you get where he's coming from. It's like, well, this is you. This is you. It's not just the drugs. It's just you. And it's like. I also saw my girlfriend completely obliterated in front of my eyes, and I've been basically weak my entire life, and now I have a <laughs> moment of strength. Get off your fucking high horse. And she's like, cool, I'm going to get off my high horse now. And then he's like, okay, well, now I'm going to apologize, because you know, now you're off your high horse. And now we can see each other on mutual terms. It was in that moment, it's like in a, sometimes emotion has a way of uh, contradicting us when we but do need to that, just extend the hand. Yeah, but- yeah, but also emotion yeah. does that by its very nature. I know, but I, I'm Humans saying that's what makes make it good. Rational decisions when emotional. That's which... what I'm saying. I'm saying mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, in that nature of it, Huey's fine. Other characters are going to be fine. We'll, we'll do something interesting. Uh, the one thing I do, I was surprised by, and kind of feels like a waste, is what they kind of did with Noir's character. Mm. And I feel which like, can... yeah, he yeah, was teed up so well in the seventh episode where we get that animated flashback and we get a peek of how noir sees the world he sees like a whole bunch of the animated characters with him yeah, yeah. do you Which, think <laughs> that shot I... in the final that shot in the last episode of him like strolling through the halls of Ot tower with the fucking like buster beaver cartoon just like charging along right next to him <laughs> yeah. that just made me laugh uh so do you think that black noir is coming back and some people like you know, because that was some of, some of the issues. It's like, wow, you teed up this character, gave him all this backstory just to kill him. This I season. don't think he's dead. So, okay. personally speaking, I, I, I think, think he has Wolverine powers. I think he has like really, really, really good reconstitutional abilities. 
Because mm. how the hell do you survive what Soldier Boy did to you after that fact? I think it's a yeah. case of after you did damage to him, he didn't have that power before, but when they brought him in, they injected into him, and then he got that like X factor power after mm. the fact, so it couldn't heal previous damage. Mm. Yeah, I think this is also in a way adapting where his story goes comics it, it's a yeah. way of like putting that that fuse and that rage against home oh shit i just had a sudden i had a thought mm-hmm. what if they take um in a way to counter because homelander's gonna do this shit what if that's like okay um well we don't want him to die because he's super useful he has these x factor what if we put a little homelander dna in there and then mm-hmm. just see what happens mm. and that's how they can get Kind of, sort of, with it, but with a different twist. Yeah. Uh, hey, how's it going man. there, Koki? This, how you doing there, man? This crazy hey, crap man. in there. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where they're going with I it. Mean, that, I mean, you know what? I'm happy about that. I think I'm happy that I don't know exactly where it's yeah, going to go. I think his character is too interesting, especially to now, to just simply to just kill him off and put him into the embrace of Christ the Lord this soon. Basically, yeah. No, I don't think he's done. I think they just... I think that's a sad way of taking him out of the big fight, but I don't think he's down for the count. I think mm. he's quote-unquote killed. Quote-unquote. Mm. If I was a writer on the show, that wouldn't be the last time. I wouldn't have set all that up just to just, oh, throw him away for a narrative reason. Like, mm-hmm. no, there's too much to his character. We can't just throw him out now. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh so I mean did you guys answer that question? Do you think Maeve should have been killed? Do you think she should have been killed? Oh, no. mm. Honestly, I after like the last like two seasons, I mm. think Maeve deserves a happy ending. Mm. Yeah. She's not gonna get it. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> the boys. Nobody's gonna get a happy ending in the boys, except maybe Mother's Milk. He'll be alright. Yeah. Um Mother's Milk and maybe friend maybe a couple characters who aren't super involved. Um, probably gonna have a happy ending. Um, maybe Huey, like in the comics, he might have somewhat of a happy ending. But other characters, this isn't gonna end well for people. Mm. And I think, but I think it will end a hell of a lot better than it did in the comics. The comics ending, despite the really good twist that they basically just removed from the show, mm. didn't really have a lot to desire for the ending. Mm-hmm. So it it better be better than that. Uh, ratings? It already has a low bar. I mean, it's it's not a high bar to clear. No, it's not really high. Uh, <laughs> final ratings? I've loved every single season of this mm. show. Even season two, which people like, claim is like a step down. I, I gave that a 10 out of 10. I gave that This Is Cinema. Every single season of this show has been This Is Cinema levels for me. Mm. Okay. I think how it balances this this uh just charcuterie board of characters that they have in constantly advancing their stories and their arcs, even taking stylistic leaps, like having a full musical number, having an entire animated sequel, having an entire flashback episode with Billy, how they did that and how every single one of those choices was used to advance a character. Yeah, this is cinema for me. Mm. Okay, dusk. Um, this I think this season brought back the better quality. I think season two. I think season two was a bit 
of a, down, of a downer in comparison to the first season. But I think this is a better writing of the ship. I wouldn't say season two was bad by any measure, but I do think mm-hmm. it did lower its quality a bit, went a little too far in some places than I, it did. I, but, I think mm-hmm. even with the like mm-hmm. lower quality of season two, that finale fucking rips. I mean, I'm not going to say otherwise. Girls get it done. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, no, I mean, there was a lot of great memes from that made, rightfully so, making fun of Marvel and that whole, like, endgame thing. That's great. I mean, um, you have three super-powered women yeah. curb-stomping a Nazi. That is gonna get, like, the bar is like a 9 out of 8. Hmm. Uh, I guess what I was saying is, um, this show, it is impressing me how much that they're taking time to with these characters and giving them moments of nuance and allowing tone to be appropriately spread throughout. I think if you're going to watch this show, I think anyone, I think any other show should at least watch these seasons and understand how to do tone. Cause I think this is one of the very few shows that knows how to balance both the serious tone and the mm. lighter one for levity without being completely a joke and mm. still keep its seriousness without wasting it and making it part of the universe. I can't give this that this is cinema. I can't quite. I'm not quite there. There's just certain little small things here and there that I can't quite give it. But this is a tune-in. Like, mm. I, go ahead, check it out. <clears throat> it's um. If this is not your forte, totally get it. Totally <clears throat> not your thing. I normally wouldn't really be into this. I know I like horror, but I usually don't like dour stuff. But this <clears throat> has just enough stuff that keeps me interested, even with the dour subject. And they're able to balance that very well. So. For even someone who's like me, who doesn't like darker, like I'm not darker. I don't just like depressing stuff. I can watch horror all the time. You, but it's you, not as. I feel like you just you don't like edge lordy dark. Yes, stuff. I like, like horror with horror like, that's fun you like, or horror that's the like, point. You like dour horror as long as it has the point. Or right. At least it has some something thematic going on. Right. Or it's like, just not so crazy and doesn't matter, and so I don't have to worry yeah. about it. And this show um, does. It and does. This show all of that and it balances it beautifully right so i can't so i can't give it anything less than a tune in can't not do it it's super <laughs> strong check it out if you haven't already now's a good time to hop on you won't be disappointed um yeah. just don't get close to anybody early <laughs> on in the series just let don't me know get don't get attached uh, uh, yeah for it's amazing that a comic book like garth ennis's the yeah. boys got adapted by eric kripke and it mm. turned into one of the best I, I i wouldn't say even say best comic book shows i would say one of the best shows on television yeah it it's like one of those situations where quality of the book of game of thrones was able to be adjusted at first surprisingly well despite a disastrous pilot it ended up being mm. able to get the right people in involved not including the writers, but the production and everything else around it and the the screenplay and the producers to kind of mm-hmm. just make this thing work. And that's what kind of that magic, which you want from a series. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what, it's like that magic moment is happening again and we're able to see it. You know, like, this is what happens when everyone's firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. and they're yeah, all and, focused on something. And when you're teed up by an amazing pilot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, so uh I would give it a high tune in for myself. Um, besides for the little issues I mentioned, 
Um, like, yeah, the stuff with Frenchie, I wasn't really all that interested in. Um, I think the stuff with the deep, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, kind of a little bit of a one note stuff with him. Um, but, uh, overall, I think, you know, this is a very, very strong show and I'm excited to see what they do with season four. Um, yeah, uh, the boys continues to be great. Um, love what they're doing this series. Love the, love the cast, love the creative team behind it. Uh, yeah, amazing show. Amazing, amazing show. Uh, yeah, one of the best shows uh, on TV right now, I think, uh, that you can watch. Even if you're not into superhero stuff, I think it goes beyond just being a superhero show. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that it, it also has a lot of great stuff in there when it comes to the political commentary, uh, the social satire, all that stuff that you can really get into that well uh, that is very humorous. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, great series. Um, all right, we got one last review, uh, and then we're going to be uh, I, uh, we're going to do the news, and then we're going to be out of here. Um, so our last review is Miss Marvel. So Miss Marvel, uh, we left off I think on episode uh, two uh, or three. Um, we have reviews for the beginning uh, episodes, like the first kind of episode one, episode two on YouTube. Now you all can check it out. YouTube.com, the afternoon tune. Uh, Miss Marvel is the new Disney Plus uh, MCU show right there, uh, following the character of Kamala Khan, who is Miss Marvel. Um, this uh, details the story of a Pakistani girl uh, living in America, uh, you know, specifically New Jersey. Um, and you will hear a lot of Bon Jovi playing because Bon Jovi in New Jersey is basically Jesus. Uh, so you will hear a <laughs> lot of kind of music like that playing throughout the series of Bon Jovi music. Um and there was some controversy of this show about when it was kind of in its, you know, production and kind of getting into the show about the power change that Kamala Khan has here where in the comics she's an inhuman, um, where she kind of has stretching abilities and bigging, which, you know, kind of this embigging, uh, bigging in uh, power that she kind of has here. It's presented like she has like a bracelet uh, where she kind of has this, what's called hard light. Basically, it's kind of looks like a Green Lantern S type power. Um, I talked about it uh, when we reviewed the first episode. Uh, wasn't, you know, now that you're hearing what the creator talked about, what the intention of the power is, seeing the power is kind of in the show. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of could have seen they could have kind of kept that. Uh, but I think, you know, the series has a good charm to it. I like the lead of the series. Um, you know, I think she's she's basically having the time of her life playing this character. Um, you know, we talked about how much of she, you know, the actress herself is a fan of this MCU stuff, is a fan of the comics and of the character of Miss Marvel. Um, and with watching the show, uh, Nick described it as a Disney Channel show, um, which uh, wasn't a necessarily a slight at the show because I think a lot of some of the Disney Channel stuff can be good. Um, like back in our day, you know, we had That's So Raven, we had Even Stevens. Uh, we had shows like that that we very much liked and enjoyed. Um, so I don't think it was a slight at that show to call it like a Disney Channel show. I think it, in some ways it's a compliment. No, no, when I said that, I meant it in the best compliment possible. It was reminding me a lot of stuff like That's So Raven, like Sweet Life, Zack and Cody. Mm, yeah. Um, so I think it does have that very much that tone here. Uh, very much like her family um, in this. And I think the best parts of the show for me are not really the superhero stuff. It's more of just the family stuff. It's more of just the culture stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more of seeing, you know what I mean, that. Like when they do, the, I think it was episode four, I believe it was, when they do the wedding. Um, Great. 
I thought that was really cool, like seeing that wedding. Um, you know, it's like, damn, that looks like a badass mm-hmm. wedding. It looked like a wedding I kind of want to go to, um, you know, hang out yeah, in. You had, you had a, yeah, you had a traditional uh, Pakistani Muslim wedding on fucking Disney. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of very cool. I, I think that stuff interests me more than actually the superhero stuff. Uh, the superhero stuff in general um it's kind of just kind of meh for me i I think it's just kind of okay where she kind of uses her powers and fights this villain uh some people were saying that this villain is not very interesting so the villain that you have um in this series is uh nanjma is uh how you pronounce it um it turns out Mm. she's the you know it's kind of like a twist uh where you know the uh relationship he has like the crush on this guy that she's been crushing on in school um, you know, uh, Cameron, uh, no, Cameron, that's the rapper, uh, Cameron, uh, Cameron. yeah, uh, she has this, uh, crush on this guy at school, and turns out, you know, he's kind of been working to kind of get close to her a little bit because, you know, of her family history and legacy, um, and her mother, and his mother turns out to be, uh, one of the villains of it. Uh, a lot of people say they didn't like, uh, the villain of this series. What do you guys think about the villain kind of because it's kind of two villains it's kind of them and then it's also kind of damage control what do you kind of guys think about that uh i i think the villains have kind of just all of these disney plus shows i feel like because they are so restricted to only doing six episodes in six like 35 to 45 minute episodes you don't get time with the villain e- even a villain i like like arthur harrow night he doesn't really have a depth to it mm. does um the villains in this series is are very underwhelming we don't know any of their motivation we don't know why they're doing what they're doing we don't know why they're on a timetable at one point they're like we need to do this now no more waiting why you've waited this long why does it matter what are the stakes we need mm. to know a lot more of what being this or who she's related to, why this matters. We need to know a lot more of what this power, you're, this new power you've set up, these new characters. We really don't get that. Mm. So when they try to enact injustice, or they try to speed things along, they just seem dumb. And mm. they change that in such a dime that you're like, wow, you're not even going to try with nuance that you're at least trying to go to at first. And if I'm going to be honest, this... We've all seen up to the penultimate episode, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing spoilers, by the way, for these. these right, episodes. right. So I just don't know. Uh, yeah, with just the villains, I don't know. I will say the best parts. The best part, actually, for me, the first two episodes are okay. The third episode started off, actually, the first half being kind of strong. At least it started to see like the series is kind of finding its footing maybe a little bit. Hmm. I will say everything with uh, Abu, her father, is fantastic. I, I love the guy who plays him. He's a fun character. And he has such a... There's one moment where he's talking to um, Kamala's brother. I'm trying to find the actor who plays him. Oh, hey, thank you. Uh, you thank you, you can just call him The Beard. Uh, yeah, The uh, Beard. Uh, Amir Khan. Uh, the actor is uh, Sagar Sakia. He has this great little moment where he's like talking about how much money he has in his um, account, and he's about to get married, and he has so little after graduate school. And Abu just gives this great monologue of what it means to to be a man and what it means to to share uh, to share love and to have faith and encourage oneself in that 
choosing uh, to be with family is a very brave thing. Her father's name is uh, Yusuf, I think. Yusuf. Yusuf Khan. Yeah. Also known as Abu because th- that's just the mm-hmm. term. Whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, played by uh, Mohan Kapoor. Does a fantastic job yeah. as, uh, as the dad. Um, it's just a ni- one of those nice little scenes. Her friend, uh, her friend uh, Nakia, played by Yasmin Fletcher. Hmm. Now she got—I don't know why she got a lot of crap early on because she was, le- she was Lebanese American in a mixed race. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, very similar to Fletcher. Uh, thank you for the hundred bits there, Callan. Uh, yeah, we are doing uh, spoilers for Miss Marvel uh, up to episode she five. does her uh, so. who is well in the comics version. She's Turkish, Turkish American, and mm-hmm. people are upset about that. I don't know why you're upset at. She's one of the better acted characters in the show. She does very. She's very good at showing this a strong, confident character, mm-hmm. while at the same time having good, like, vulnerable, feminine traits and being nervous as a teenager would in changes. I think, yeah, this the the characters around her are all right. The only character I would say that actually I don't quite really dig is or i don't know what they're really doing with this character and the relationship is bruno mm-hmm. who's played by uh matt Linz. Yeah. he does fine with the role but mm-hmm. i just don't understand what their dynamic is what's going on with these characters and why he's this loyal to yeah. a specific to kamala i really don't get their dynamic relationship yeah um i think bruno for me is one of the weakest supporting members here um mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is because they're doing the whole you know you know he's a friend but he really has got a crush on her thing i think they should have just made it where he's just a flat out friend like in shang chi yeah. where mm-hmm. it is it's aquafina and simon lu like they're just friends you know there's no hint of any romantic nature there uh mm-hmm. because he i think that story beat is kind of tired of you know yeah. you know you know him being friends with the girl and then he's got a crush on her and then you know he's jealous of, you know that she's attracted to this guy and you know what i mean and the guy he fucks with him and you know what i mean he keeps calling him different names and stuff brian and scott and todd and peter parker and he keeps calling his all of them over different names <laughs> uh you know it's just like yeah okay you know I, I think a lot of that stuff is pretty tired with him uh you know and then the fact that also he's a super genius you always gotta have the guy in the chair yeah you know? That that actually mm-hmm. bothered the heck out of me. Where there's many points, she's like, "Oh, interdimensions." I have, and then he's like, "Pause." And I audibly went, "What the? How are you gonna throw that at somebody? That's all theoretical." And he's like, "Well, maybe I've read something, maybe about that, and whatever." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, no! Shut up! Completely! Sh- you are you are a high schooler. You are a high schooler. How are you knowing all this?" And then there's like in that one point, the plot point where it's just like, "Oh, you're gonna go to college, and just, everything's paid." You're going to go to one of the best um, technology schools. He's like, but it's in California. And I'm like, even though I was, I was the guidance counselor, where I'm like, hey, remember this is the main character point where you're going to get something and you're going to move on in life and this is what you've all been working towards? That's this moment. And this mm-hmm. is where you say yes. Yeah. It's like, there's there's nothing to think about. It's like, what do you, Jersey will still be here when you get back. Jersey ain't going nowhere. It's, it's been through like yeah. five different cataclysmic events. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh nick what do you jersey's you, still here after end games it's gonna be here for a while yeah nick what do you think about that about her supporting kind of cast members there with her friends and everything like uh that? i think i think the supporting cast i think it's one of the stronger ones of these marvel disney plus shows even if with a character i i 
don't really understand where he's going with Bruno. I think the actor is is giving a lot to that role. I like all the character dynamics, except for the, the villain, who is, by, by and large, the weakest part of this show. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in this last couple of episodes, so did you like when she traveled to Pakistan, uh, Pakistan, and then uh, the whole kind of last episode was just purely just backstory, which was just a flashback showing her great-grandmother, um, who the actress who plays her great-grandma, a lot of people were like, uh, she is you, newish, absolutely Hurston. Oh my god, she is absolutely. Stunning. Oh my god. Yeah. Even for is it even for her hey age? She is absolutely stunning. Yeah, Mewish Hyatt, which plays Aisha, her uh, great grandmother. She is. Uh, she's only. Um, I don't know. Thirty four. My goodness, she is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Ah, Woga. Yeah. Stunning. Just. Stunning face, absolutely stunning. Face. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. She yeah. has that the kind of face that you like. That's what cinema is made for. Yeah, you were made <laughs> to look at a camera to be like it, enchant anyone you look at. Yeah. Um. Goddamn. <laughs> what did you think about that episode? Do you guys? Because yeah, she's a more compelling character than the Kamala. If I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I'm I think her joking. story was more. It was more interesting than uh, Kamala's had been up to that point, at least as far as the whole, you know, talking about history and talking about the British occupation of, uh, like, India and Pakistan Mm. and drawing that line. And I think how the episode ends, I think, is really strong. Mm. With with, um, uh, Muniba, who's played by Zenobia Shroff, finally realizing that Kamala's got powers now. Mm. I thought that was handled really strong. Hmm. Besides that, that's about it. Hmm. Okay. Um. Hmm. What do you think about the stuff with damage control? It feels like an after. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dust. So this series, it's like three different shows at once. One story is about a kid from New Jersey who gets superpowers. And it's a mm-hmm. small origin story about how they gain superpowers and then how they deal with it on a very small scale. Similar to Spider-Man in that aspect. And trying to figure mm-hmm. out responsibility while also working around their own culture and family. And then, uh, then the other story is about a story of uh, a, band, as a, a band, a group who tries to protect their culture and their people from the unseen and those that would do as a, that would try to sneak their way into our dimension or those from the shadow or Jin. And it's very, almost kind of like very uh, Pakistani, uh, very Middle Eastern kind of style group that was wants to protect it, uh, protect it. And then we have a third story about a romantic story about a being who came from another world that fell in love and decided to build a life on this world instead of going home. But it gets taken from as it gets taken from her, as uh, as r- things starts ratcheting up as the others from her world want her to send them back, and she has the key to to it, and she doesn't want to give it up in fear of knowing what will happen when they lock the door. Mm. And this show doesn't know which one it wants to choose. It mm. doesn't know what it wants to be, and instead of just being one show, it tries to put all that in there. And I remember watching episode four 
after making it through all the those episodes and going when I saw like the graffiti on uh, in uh, around the Pakistani city, now going, I can see I they so badly want her to be the new Spider Man, they so badly want her to be, and there's the potential there, but something's missing. Something it needs to have a much more coherent center. I think having is like having a character who is of that nature of Pakistani learning about apartheid, having those other connections, that feels like season two or three development. Mm-hmm. That feels like stuff that should have been brought in later after you've had a center core of a character who is very down down to earth, tries to do her best, and you all relate to her as a character as she's getting better as a hero and she finds herself and she does have that connection. And then as time goes on, we have this built-up moment. And then maybe later down the line, these other things get built up. Maybe at first we don't know, oh, she's being kind of trained. At, like, oh, you need to join join us. And they offer the help, the uh, the red band or whatever they're called. Uh, we're we're going to help. The red daggers. We're going to help you out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, then she learns what the clandestine really are. And then what it means to be a jinn. And all these things. And that could have built up. But it's all being done in like six episodes, and by yeah. episode five, I'm like, "Well, the series is done. Yeah, the, yeah there's no story left." It's the problem with all of these Disney Plus shows, except for like maybe Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah. yeah, and even WandaVision to an extent, is that you're trying to cram so much into six episodes, you can't possibly give the time necessary to all of it. Yeah, yeah. it it's also the pacing. The pacing mm-hmm. for the first couple of episodes is really Tut. bad. I, I thought for at least the first <laughs> two, maybe three. Yeah, it's I the opposite. That was tight. I know. Yeah. We have the opposite feeling on it. But yeah. I'm going to be honest. The first episode is super boring. It, like, I'm not asking for superpowers, but I do need, like, there needs to be something kind of in there to really kind of get. I needed a little bit more. I feel like that sixth episode, we could have had a little bit more focus on Kamala as a person first and foremost. Really get their dynamic first before powers even get introduced. Mm. That would have been really better to solidify her as a person and her beliefs and other aspects first. Her family dynamic really thoroughly. And then you kind of slowly bring it up. And not until like episode... Like, not not really until episode two do like, oh, then the powers start showing and then she's kind of learning and before this kind of big moment happens like inspire i don't know mm. it feels like it's fully too quick fully rushed and the moments with the family that are somewhat good it does feel almost kind of ungrateful in others or too rushed in others like i don't know i understand family dynamics are all different and mm. other families are more prudish than others and other families i completely get that mm. But there were other ways to get out of certain situations, and they felt very cringy and very why? Why are we doing this? Hey, my my, why mom, is this? my mom's a Filipino immigrant, so other immigrant parents that felt real to me. Uh, yeah. With this series, um, I think the first you know couple episodes of it, I like kind of what they were doing with the style of it, where you know how she how she was daydreaming. That stops after really episode three. Hmm. Mm. You know, I kind of liked how she was kind of daydreaming, everything like that, and kind of animating, and then kind of those things. Um, I, I, I kind of yeah, liked it. The, the, the first, did. the first two episodes, it kind of felt like Marvel's answer to something like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, hmm. which that was like 
a really big standout thing against like kind of the sameness of this phase of the MCU, which I don't know why you drop that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll, we'll discuss uh, Phase 4, uh, a little bit of that, probably all that stuff tomorrow to uh, get into like Phase mm-hmm. 4 of this Marvel stuff. Uh, because uh, the final film, I guess, in Phase 4, what is it? Is it Black Panther 2? Is that I, the final? I think it's supposed to be Fantastic Four. Oh, is that supposed to be Fantastic Okay. Um, okay. So we'll, we'll get into all that stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. Spoiler discussion tomorrow with Thor Love and Thunder. Um yeah, um, you know, with this kind of, you know, it, it's it's the the six episode format has a stranglehold on Disney. Uh, this Disney Plus stuff mm-hmm. they're doing with these superior shows. At first, it kind of seemed kind of fun, you know, like an idea. It's like, hey, we're doing these Disney Plus mm-hmm. series, and we're gonna do these characters, and it's gonna be these six kind of six episodes, little mini series. Like, oh, okay, that's fun. It's cute. All right. Um, but it's not allow. I don't think you know a lot of these series. It's not allowing the creators to tell a good story, um, and it's it's really feels a lot of places feels rushed and underdeveloped and undercooked. And the fact that it only has one more episode left, and they have to do so much, and then they don't make those last episodes an hour and a half, or you know what I mean? They don't. I guess they don't have the pool like Duffer Brothers, where they say fuck it, two hours. Two hours of nothing but Stranger Things episodes. You know, they just go like, hey, listen. Which is get- strange because. Which is strange because Feige has made Disney much money. Mm. He has made them all of the money in the world. You figure that would be like carte blanche, do whatever the fuck you want with all these shows. Yeah. I don't know if it's a Kevin Feige decision, like these have to be six episodes an hour. I don't know. I don't know what decision there is or who's making that. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's a it's in a detriment to these series. Um yeah, um, you know, we'll review the final episode uh, when it comes out next week. We'll we'll give our uh, thoughts on that. Um, so, what we what are the feeling right now for you guys with this series now that it's five episodes in? Uh, I feel like I I'm disappointed with these last this last episode because I thought Ms. Marvel started out so strong in how it, it was introducing a lot of these character dynamics between Kamala Khan and her friends and family. And now it's kind of just devolved into, I don't even know what the fuck you're going. Hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of their build into like end of the world type stakes, which I don't think you have to do that with the Miss Marvel show or these Disney plus series. Like you don't have to have like end of the world type stakes. And it seems like that's what they're kind no, of doing. And let's be honest, let's be honest. Most of the, most of the plot with Kamala is probably going to be an afterthought in the next. And the rest of it is basically just going to be set up for Kamala to appear in the Marvel. Yeah. You think Brie Larson is showing up in the final episode? Uh, who knows? Hmm. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, probably. Dusk? What started off, what could have been just been an okay show is kind of devolving and kind of going all over the place and not really finding a good ground to stand on i'm also confused on what exactly persian powers can do and of all the dis- descriptions of what jinn are capable to do in mysticism creating like shiny light and stones is kind of lame if i'm going to be honest mm. i don't know when, when jinn can be described as something as cool as demons of smokeless fire you've got to You've got so much out there to do something fun with. And I know this was never going to do something truly extreme, but... And almost the show also didn't really need a villain. 
just needed a character who was going through things and then learned humility and strength and became a hero, even though she came from a smaller neighborhood. Yeah. Regardless of where they are, regardless of New Jersey or that crap, that doesn't matter. It's just a character doing the right thing for the right reasons in a world that could use one. And then, like, if you want to add the DOD effect, make them kind of the bad guys. Because honestly, ever since um, Homecoming and such for Spider-Man, they've just been jerks. And I get where they're coming from on some aspect, but they've just been handling it. There's like an entire point where they just show up in a mosque, a religious, a religious ha- a house, and they're like, "All right, just search the premises." And then she brings up, "Can't do that. Like legally, you can't do any of that. You'll need a warrant." Hmm. And they're like, "Eh." No, I see you read your rights, and I'm like, "You know, you could sue them for that, right then and there, because hmm. they tried to do something illegally." I just, I, they're an afterthought, and I'm also gonna be honest. I know they hired the character, the guy who plays the male, the male agent. He just has the most punchable face you'd ever met in your life. Yeah, I forgot that actor. Just like, he was. In I don't know else. that actor. He reminds me of Ethan Klein from H three H three, and he's oh. just <laughs> also a very punchable person. Oh yeah, I could I could kind of see the resemblance a little bit. Um, yeah, I think like you said, I mean. He does- Kind of resemble that guy, and he also plays a very similar Succession. Succession, that was the show that he was on. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that people said he was from. Um, yeah, I think this season, it's like a mix of like season two stuff and season one stuff. Like, it's like mm-hmm. this stuff and material, her going really into her backstory like this and all this stuff. It's like, feels a lot like season two material, and then some of it with season one, where I think season one should have been like mainly the high school stuff and her being a kid and doing the superhero stuff like Dust said and damage control could have been the the bad guys and it's like okay who's investigating who's this hero who's doing this and trying to find them and her just doing small level stuff you know what i mean and you know stopping a burglary or you know stopping a mugger or you know what i mean something like that it's like just kind of small level stuff um and the fact that she's kind of going up against these you know these people who've been on earth for what hundreds thousands of years and you know she's kind of beating them up you know even if it's kind of accidentally it's kind of like uh okay i mean i don't know about all that but uh yeah you know uh but yeah i mean you know just for a series i think you know start off pretty pretty good i think pretty strong um yeah i mean this episode five i wasn't really digging it all that much um but uh but thank you miss marvel for introducing me to uh the great grandmother uh thank yeah. you for that <laughs> uh you know she is absolutely stunning uh so thank you for that G-Gilf. yeah mm. um all right so that was miss marvel uh episode five review uh we're gonna be doing the finale next week uh so looking forward to that Checking that out. Um, what's the next Disney Plus series, uh, Marvel series, that's after this one? Is it? Oh, She Hulk. Oh, God. She Hulk. Uh, she Hulk. Yeah, oh, it is She Hulk. Yeah, that's August 13th, I think. Too much. Too much. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to be getting into the news, people, and we're going to be getting out of here. Um, there we go. Thank you, uh, uh, Kristen, for showing up, uh, donating the bits. 111 bits. Thank you so much. Uh, for that, much appreciated. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're gonna be getting some quick news. Um, all right, so Julius uh, Onan is uh, gonna be doing the. He's gonna be the director for the fourth Captain America film. 
Um, he directed also the Cloverfield Paradox, a movie that I thought was oh, pretty terrible. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty terrible movie myself. Um, uh. Yeah, I guess you guys feel the same way. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that movie's ass. Yeah, uh, I thought it, it was, especially coming off of 10 Cloverfield Lane, that was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, which was, Tinkle Overfield Lane was absolutely great, uh, which I thought was an amazing movie. Um, yeah, so that's kind of disappointing to hear. Um, I think he also did a, he did a mo- another movie called Loose, uh, with, uh, it's a social drama here, social thrill drama. It's got Octavia Butler in it. I, I haven't heard of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, has anybody here seen it? Nope. Yeah, Lucy. Loose. Uh okay, um yeah, so he's gonna be the director of Captain America Four. I thought they were probably gonna make the guy who did the sh- who's the showrunner of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show, um the director. I yeah. thought they were gonna. Make- I thought Kari, yeah, I thought Kari Scoglin would have been tapped to direct the, the film because she did all six episodes, and that by far is like the most focused of these uh, Disney Plus shows. She's directed a lot of The Handmaid's Tale, The Walking Dead, The Americans, House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought they were kind of going to make her uh, uh, the director. Or Malcolm Spellman, uh, who is the writer, uh, main writer of the series. Mm-hmm. I thought they were kind of going to do that. Yeah, and and even looking on IMDb, Kari's still listed as like directed by mm-hmm. on as well as uh, Julia Sona. Oh, so maybe it's a left seat, right seat situation, maybe? I hope, because, yeah, you said, fuck. Cloverfield Paradox director? Fuck. Yeah. Uh, Has uh, she ever done a feature film before? Uh, Scoglin, I think this would have been a feature directorial date. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Do you guys care about a Captain America 4? Do you... Mostly just want to see more them do more Anthony Mackie now that he is proper. Hmm. Okay. Dusk? Uh, not really, to be hmm. honest. Hmm. Um, it's just kind of like, alright, you got the mantle now, that's cool. Still think Connor probably should have gone to Bucky, but hey, um, that's understandable. I know they're trying to um, give Anthony Mackie more um, role for the future. That's fine. Uh, I got no problems there. Um, I'm, cu- but I have no faith in it now that I know who the director is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see that. Um, also, in other Marvel news, Charlie Cox visiting off here, returning. Uh, they're going to be the, the Marvel series Echo. Um, so that's kind of interesting, uh, probably raises excitement for the Echo series. Um, I don't mm. know if you've all ever read Echo from the comics before or have, have much knowledge of her in the comics. Uh, but I did like how she Not appeared. Really. Um, I did like how she appeared in I Hawkeye. Thought, yeah, yeah, she was a great character on Hawkeye, but I'm just waiting on all the, like, fan hate for the eventual, like, Echo show because... A show that's literally called Echo isn't about Matt Murdock and Kingpin. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, it's good. To, I mean, it's 
I mean, Charlie Cox, Vincent Nafio, people love them. They're universally loved for portraying Daredevil and Kingpin, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so it'd be great to see them back. Um, you know, I did like Echo in the, uh, the Hawkeye series. I thought, again, it struggled from when a lot of these Disney Plus series struggled of the kind of six-episode format and then developing things. And I think even, I mean, Vincent Nafio was still good as Kingpin, but... His whole mm-hmm. coming back and, and, and everything was just sloppily. It was just so sloppy the way they handled it um, and everything like that. Um, but, yeah. Uh, would you guys, would you want to see a movie instead of uh, a series if Daredevil, if they bring back Daredevil, just make it a movie? or? I think it depends on the story they want to tell with the character. I feel like with uh, Charlie Cox, he has enough uh, clout from the daredevil show that he could do it as a film even though that even though they're talking about doing it as a disney plus series which mm. j- judging by like how most of these have gone i'm not looking to that thus mm. uh any thoughts on echo at all okay uh i don't know maybe he's saving another life right now uh, maybe he's doing that right now. <laughs> uh, Gotta call nine one one again. Yeah, <laughs> if it was the same neighbor and he's nine one one again. <laughs> uh, it's like dusk is dusk is becoming an actual superhero on that show. Yeah, he's like, hey man, listen man, I I gotta go call nine one one again. My other neighbor uh, is in trouble. Stranding oh, my internet died. Oh okay. <laughs> no. no. Uh, hey, but. Hey, at least one of us trying to be Superman over here. Yeah. Uh, but all, uh, I guess, well, I got you for the brief moment. What was the question again? Uh, anything, any thoughts on Echo? Any thoughts on Echo coming the series? I couldn't care. Her character was okay. Like, she wasn't bad. She wasn't great. Um, I don't think she deserves a series. I don't know why they think she, they think she d- does, but mm. hey, prove me wrong. Make something great. You got Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio on your show, and you better utilize them. Yeah. Because if you don't, you will be the laughing stock of the of the MCU. This is your golden opportunity. If you can't if you can't make it here, you're not going to make it anywhere else. Yeah. I guess my fear is just that I don't want it to be like okay, it's this it's an Echo Show, but then it's really. A oh, it's going to have cameos. You know that. Why well, are you even suggesting otherwise? Well, I'm just, I don't want it to be like they overtake the show. Like, it's all going to be, like, mainly it's going to be about them and about, it's like, well, they got their own series. It's probably going to be the inverse. It's going to be all about her and occasionally they show up. Mm. I I hope that's the case since it's her show. I mean, it's called Echo, so I hope that's the case. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, already... I just don't know why they even gave it to her, but hey, why not? If it's a chance for Charlie Cox to come back as Daredevil, why not? Yeah. He's yeah. already damaged his eyes just to play the role. It's pretty much all he can do right now. Really? What is he? Was he done? No, to for, for real. He actually hurt, uh, like, permanently hurt himself to play the role at this point. Yeah. What did he do? All that eye rolling. Oh, the eye rolling. Oh. Okay. No, he, he he was like so used to playing uh, blind that he fucked up his audition for Han Solo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh. Yeah. So kind of hurt his career because he was so used to playing blind. Well, I don't think. I mean, I think Han Solo. I don't think that's a big loss. <laughs> Honestly, I don't no, think it's not big, really. It's if I'm gonna be honest, loss, <laughs> although be he would have done a great job as Han Solo, though. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess so. He's a good actor. I like. I like Charlie Cox. Yeah. Uh, like the one he was on Boardwalk Empire too. Um, mm-hmm. 
Um, all right, so getting into a trailer, then we're gonna get into some sad news. Uh, we're gonna, I guess, save the sad news for last, I guess. Um, so Clerks 3. Clerks 3 is a trailer. Kevin Smith is back. Um, I can't remember, honestly, the last movie I liked of Kevin Smith's. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, geez, maybe Chasing Amy, I guess, or uh, maybe Dogma. Jay and Silent Bob Street back. Jay and, Silent Star, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, yeah, I guess that was okay. I guess. Uh, I mean, that was all the way in two thousand and one when that movie came out. <laughs> uh, oh, fuck that long ago. Yeah, that was twenty one years ago uh, that that movie came out. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, uh, but you know, Clerks. You know, this is the third film. Clerks was Kevin Smith's very first film, the film where he broke out onto the scene. Um, he was part of that new crop of directors that were coming out in the 90s. It was him. It was like guys like Quentin Tarantino, uh, guys that were kind of like, you know, that mean that, you know, they were this kind of renegade kind of filmmakers, didn't go to film school. Their knowledge was, you know, their film knowledge was all from just going to video stores and watching a bunch of movies. Uh, and, you know, he struck, you know, he made a hit, you know, I mean, big, big popular film, um, not in terms of box office, but just in terms of critic, uh, praise, and that kind of launched his career, um, you know, I think so far, I mean, he hasn't really, I don't think, all the way made a film that's probably good, as some people say good as Clerks, I think Chasing Amy is better than Clerks, um, I think, was that his second film or third film, I believe? I think it was his second. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of his humor, a lot of what he does kind of in his movies, you know, a lot of, you're going to hear a lot of masturbation jokes, a lot of, you know, uh, jokes about pornography. Um, uh, oh, actually, now that I mentioned that, Zach and Mir make a porno. I actually thought that was pretty decent, even though that was just basically a Judd Apatow movie, uh, with Kevin Smith basically doing it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that, I thought that was maybe kind of decent. Um, Actually, Chasing Amy was his third film. Mall Rats was his second film. I, I, I oh should... shit, that's right. Mall Rats. I I know some people hated Mall Rats. I think he's apologized for Mall Rats. Um, I actually kind of like. I don't Mall think Rats, he. Though. I don't think he should apologize for Mall Rats. It's all right. It's not a bad movie, and it's very terribly earnest. Yeah, he should apologize for Tusk. Now that now Tusk is what oh, he should be apologizing. Tusk and uh, Yokoho is what yeah. he needs to apologize for. Yeah. Okay. Tusk and Yokoho. Red State, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cop Out, you know. Oh, oh, Cop Out. Yeah. Uh, Jersey no, Girl. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Look, Chasing Amy, Mars is fine, Clerks is good, Clerks 2 is good, and really after that, you're kind of like, alright, he's fine. He doesn't really need to do anything else. Yeah. You don't see any of his work. Um, but maybe, a- maybe Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And maybe Jay and Silent Bob, the most recent movie. Uh, the super groovy cartoon movie or the... Oh, the reboot. The Jay and Silent the Bob. Reboot. Reboot. Uh, okay. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think his humor really hasn't evolved really all that much. Like, you're going to get... I mean, he's a Jersey guy. Yeah. He, actually, he's a he... Jersey guy from the 90s. It's not that it hasn't evolved. It's that we... Everyone else has kept on going, and he stayed where he is. Yeah, he really is like Jay and Silent Bob hanging out outside that convenience that, that yeah. store. Yeah, he really is. Little where he used to, where he filmed Clerks. That building is where he used to work. Uh, he just, he just, he sold his comp, a lot of his comic book collection to pay for that movie. Mm. 
As an independent filmmaker, you got to give Kevin Smith props. Yeah. For how he made it into the business and kind of gave hope for people making it into the business. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got respect for the guy. I think Kevin Smith is a funny guy. Um, you know, like, you know, when he does his, you know, speaking, you know, uh, engagements, um, like when he tells the story about working on a Superman movie, I think he could be a very funny guy. Um, oh, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I do, I do like him and yeah, I do have respect for the guy. I just think that, yeah, a lot of his movies have not been very good. He's got a really bad track record, uh, with movies. Uh, what do you guys think about this trailer for Clerks 3? Don't all speak at sure once. Enough, I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it? it? Dust, did you see it? Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't see it? Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the whole kind of what's happening here um, is that you have... Uh, let me see. What's what's his name? Uh, I, I was going to say... You know G- about, did huh? you know, by the way, Clerks is... Uh, the first Clerks movie is been, has been selected by the Library of Congress for preservation. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, that, 2019, that, it got selected for preservation for being culturally historically instead of significant. So he can say he made a movie that's in the Library of Congress. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's. I think it's a great. I think Clerks is good. I think Kirk is very good. I, yeah, it's a it's a solid movie. Yeah. Um, so the situation is Randall. He's dying. Um, he's the you know second lead character of these Clerks movies. He's best friends with the Dante character. Um, he's dying, ends up, this, you know, he has kind of a near-death event, and he's like, hey, I, you know, have a dream, uh, and one of my dreams was to make a movie, I've been all this time watching a movie, and now I want to actually make one, so that's what this whole, seems like this whole premise of this movie is about, is about his journey of, you know, casting and kind of making a movie, so it's a movie about a movie, you know, it's like, you know, it's just like, okay, um, that's kind of the whole thing here. Um, Rosario Dawson, all the people kind of, you'll see, you know, you'll see in this trailer that, you know, are classic to kind of Kevin Smith's movies or the Clerks movies. They're going to be back, uh, here is like Rosario Dawson's going to be back. Uh, her character, which, man, that's some pure, that's some, that's a lot of fucking fiction that Rosario Dawson is <laughs> with that dude who plays Dante, like Jesus Christ, like he's the girlfriend of that character, like he's her girlfriend. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's what you kind of see here, um, is them doing that. I mean, um, it's, it, pro- it took a long time probably to get um oh that's right okay so randall graves um played by uh jeff anderson jeff, jeff anderson it took quite a bit to uh he'd been trying for years to get a um to be in clerks three but jeff it was always jeff anderson who's just like nah leave it alone leave it alone and so I guess the only way to make Clerks three was just to kill his character off. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess it's like yeah, so it never happened. I guess it's a situation like with Harrison Ford. It's like listen, the only way I'm coming back to these Star Wars movies, you kill me. That's the only way I'm. Gonna He's have... never been happier. Yeah, to not be associated with Star Wars. Yeah, uh, yeah. So same situation here, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's what's happening with Clerks three, or at least trying to kill his ass off. Because I guess he survives it. Yeah. Uh, let me see. What Why not, right? Yeah. Why not? Uh, this fall in theaters. I'm surprised it's coming to theaters. That's surprising. Yeah, it's still he's Kevin Smith. He He's still able to do it. It's in New Jersey. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's by Lionsgate. They, they owe him still, I guess. I don't know. 
Uh, I mean, he does have a very dedicated fan base. He does have a very yes, he does. Uh, people who love his stuff. He's very dedicated. You like, know what, man? I hope it's good. It, yeah, of course. I man. hope it's good because, like, Jane Silent Bob reboot wasn't terrible. It it, it was like literally the same movie again, but at least it was it was all right, and it's better than Tuscan Yoga Hosers. So I, I that's all I hope for. Yeah, I'm hoping for just something that because he uh, ever since he had the heart attack and all that, he's uh, he's put down the joint. He's tried to. It was actually um, what's the name? It was the guy from Zack and Miro making fun. What's his name again? Curly hair. Uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. It was Seth Rogen. He's like, oh man, you look, you're so chill, you're so good. How do you get that way? And that's actually what got him to get hooked on uh, weed. Mm. Was Seth Rogen introduced him to weed, and then he just started making his own movies for himself. And mm. now, after his heart attack, he's had to change his diet, change his completely. Yeah. And uh, he stopped smoking weed as as much, and not as much anymore. And he's been kind of sobering up on a lot of other things. So yeah, I don't know, man. He's lost I a wish lot the of best weight. for him. Hope he does well. Yeah, he does. He's still rocking that backwards cap, and he's still wearing those like those jersey represent like uh, jer- and I, I mean literal jerseys, like sports jerseys. Yeah. And hey, man, if that's what he wants to do, and then he's having cool, and he he could just live in a mansion and like hang out with his wife and. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. um he could produce some, I think, cool stuff. I like this He-Man show, which is coming back for a second, um, second season. I don't know. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Yeah. Eh, I like his He-Man show. I don't. I haven't loved anything Kevin's. He, he's a guy I have a lot of respect for, just being, you know, an indie filmmaker. He actually yeah. did make his dream come true, and I think along the lines of Clerks too, he realized that no, he's never going to be. Michael Bay, he's never going to get a chance to direct like the big budget blockbuster film that he wants to do. So he realized that, you know, I'm just going to buy the quick and stop and just be content. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to also fair, he's also admitted that he's a fine enough script writer, but he's Mm -hmm. mostly good at dialogue. He's really good at dialogue and he thinks he can nail dialogue, but everything else when it comes to a script, which is literally everything else, he's like, I'm okay at. Mm. <laughs> and he admits that and so i'm like yeah man i mean he knows his faults he accepts that i'm not I'm not like defending the guy but i at least can admire that he knows his limits and he's willing to just be like yeah let's just do one more movie let's just like do it maybe one more time we'll see what happens yeah. i hope it's at least decent that's all i can ask for because yeah. kirk's too was surprisingly pretty good yeah yeah, I don't know. I mean, speaking of Miss Marvel, I mean, that's set in New Jersey. They couldn't get Kevin Smith a call. You know, they go, hey, you from Jersey, you know, come in, you know, direct an episode. Yeah, Miss Marvel couldn't give him a call. She'd probably make a camp. You know what? They called his ass when uh, they had the Stan Lee from the Mallrats cameo. They had some, that's actually what they used in Captain Marvel. They used leftover uh, uh, audio from Stan Lee when he, when he uh, appeared in Mallrats. Oh. And played that over. That, okay. So they called him and asked if I had any. He's like, luckily, I still had a lot. And it was like really clear and crisp. And so he kind of teared up when that scene shut up. And they had his comment from uh, from uh, Mallrats. And like, he just made him miss Stan Lee all the more. Because they they gotten kind of pretty friendly. And it was nice just to interact with them. 
Yeah. And uh, it was nice that he wanted to do something. So, you know what? That's not entirely unheard of. He does have, like, some connections with Marvel and Kevin Feige, because apparently Kevin Feige called him. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's nice knowledge. Thank you for that. Yeah. Oh. Um, all right. He's a big enough shill. Oh, uh, who? Uh, Kevin Smith? Oh, yeah. He's a major shill. For, like, what? Comic book stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, he... Comic books, Marvel, DC. Yeah. He'll shill for anything. Yeah. He's a well, very emotional guy. He cries in a lot of movies. Like, this movie made me cry. He cries, well. a lot beca- he cries a lot because he's full of estrogen. Oh, okay. No, I mean literally because of his diet it actually requires a bit more estrogen in his diet than he would like to want going. So he's gonna get more emotional because of it. Oh, okay. It's just because of the diet is not getting as much like testosterone or meat in the diet. Mm-hmm. So just naturally he's probably gonna be a bit more ah emotional. Okay. But uh yeah. But I, I still like him. Cool yeah. guy. Cool guy. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Um, all right, got some sad news coming up uh, that we're going to be discussing. So the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! Takahashi Kazuki uh, passed away at the age of 60. It was a snorkeling incident um, that happened uh, when she passed away. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! was a big thing kind of in my childhood. It was kind of the first maybe big nerdy thing I got into when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I you know, collected the cards. I had a deck. Um, all that different stuff like that. And yeah, um, you know, so it, it did have a very much kind of big impact on my child. It was kind of maybe, you know, kind of how I got more gateway into other kind of geeky stuff like anime mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, other kind of shows uh, like that. Uh, but I remember watching it. Um, WB Kids, it was on, used to watch it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the mornings. Uh, yeah, I, you know, have that kind of connection to it. Um, so it was just such a surprising news um, that just came out of nowhere um, about his passing. Um, and just he just was uh, his body was discovered a thousand feet uh, offshore uh, at about 1030 uh, a.m. local time. Um, so and do, just, we, do they know what happened? Like what went wrong? Um, snorkeling. Yeah, I think uh, I think they say it was just like an accident when he was like snorkeling. I don't think the exact specifics of it uh, are out there, um, but. I think that's as far as much as I see right there. Um, what I mean, do you guys connect? Go snorkeling by yourself. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys? Like you were saying he was. Yeah. yeah. Good. I remember Saturday mornings. It was the Batman. It was Yu Gi. That was my Saturday morning when I was a kid growing. I bought the cards. I collected. I got decks. I think still lying around my uh, my parents. House fucking nerd. Oh, it's really sad. He you was the next <laughs> 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 Fucking nerd. Oh, no. Jesus. oh no. Yeah, but he was all. He was basically my gateway into into uh, other nerd stuff. He was my gateway into stuff like video games, stuff like other American comics, even other anime that I watched when I was younger. Uh, Kazuki Takahashi was the gateway. Hmm. And the fact that he still contributed to Yu-Gi-Oh! long after uh, the show, <clears throat> long after the manga and the show, uh, you know, spun off, created a whole bunch of different other series like GX, like uh, 5Ds, like Zeal, uh, everything else that uh, came after. He contributed art to all of the cards long after the show. And mm, yeah, uh, have you? Did you read the manga? Or no. I read a little bit of the manga. Yeah. 
but hmm. I haven't picked it up in a long time. Yeah. And it says Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, this is from CNN right here. It says, Guinness World Records uh, has recognized Yu-Gi-Oh as the world's best-selling uh, trading card game with over 25 billion cards sold around the world as of 2011. Sounds about ha! right. Suck it, Magic. Yeah. yeah. What is the cause? They're pretty pissed. Yeah. Uh, and the, the ones that caused the snorkeling accident. Uh, and the 100th Yu-Gi-Oh! Championship Series held on Long Beach, California in 2013 is also recognized as the largest trading card game tournament ever held. A total of 4,364 players known as Duelists. Uh, wow, could you imagine saying that? It's like, uh, I'm a duelist. You know what I mean? I'm not just like a <laughs> casually. I'm a, I'm a duelist. Uh, battle against one uh, another at the event, uh, breaking the record previously held by Magic the Gathering Tournament, which attracted over 2,227 players in Madrid, Spain in 2010. Um, what are Magic the Gathering players called? What are they called when they play? Magic the Gatherings. Fucking nerds. <laughs> yeah, they're not really called anything specific. It's like, what are they called? Star Star Wars nerds. Star Trek, they're called Trekkies or Trekkers. Mm. Star Wars, they're just, I don't know, Warsies? Warsers? Starsies? Starsies, maybe? I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dusk, what's, what's your kind of experience with Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, I kind of grew up around that aspect of the card game. Probably one of the first bigger games it was like Yu-Gi-Oh, pokemon digimon all that aspect of that it was tanami was first coming in even before that even before tanami there was like you see offshoots and maybe like shows like dragon ball z or, or sailor moon or some like the really obscure stuff it wasn't until like really dbz and tanami they started really bringing it to the west that it was like a super niche thing occasionally you see reruns of speed racer Mm. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, it, it had it was there early on in my life. I never quite got into it, but I did watch the anime and I did actually read the manga. It's way different from the anime. Holy crap! Uh, mm. Way darker. Really? Way darker. Than the Do anime. you remember? Like, oh yeah. What what kind of darker stuff happens in it? So, Yu-Gi-Oh! In Japanese means King of Games, not necessarily King of Card Games. So, people are more pieces of crap. And mm. Yami Yugi, the alternate, the the pharaoh uh, that possesses Yugi, he's a king of games. So a lot of it has to do with like gambling, or he fights against people, or he uses games as a way of. Uh, and it's literally anything. It could be anything from, oh, uh, we're gonna play. I'm gonna play you in a game since you're a bully at school and you're picking on me and picking on others. Uh, we're gonna have this uh, ice like red hot table mm -hmm. that you can grill things on and i'm going to encase this vial full of explosive liquid and ice and we're going to smack it around and if it whoever ends up is going to explode in their face and could <laughs> potentially kill them or uh another event where a guy he's like a cameraman but he, he's like abusing his position and doing like dirt uh, like the dirty photos or dirty and uses this blackmail where he's like, let's do a dice game. If you win, you just is like, if I win, you destroy your evidence. If I, if I win, you get to keep it and keep doing what you're doing. And uh, it's like using supernatural means that end up that he plays a game with somebody. Oh, it's not until later in the after the first arc that it starts being even close to what the anime is kind of like. Where so it's kind of focusing on dual monsters. It was kind of Squid Games before Squid Games. 
Yeah, it was basically it was basically he just took any game or anything and utilized it, and it wasn't until he focused solely on dual monsters later on. Also, the yeah, Egyptian it, myth, Egyptian yeah. items yeah. were a lot more proficient in the early ones, and people legit died. There was no like oh in what some terms. No, people yeah, legit died. Yeah, Yami was essentially a serial killer in the original. Yeah, he was <laughs> the original, uh, manga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a guy who escaped from prison famously and hold, held up a place, and he used a uh, he used a game. Okay, if you move one, is it, if you can pick one finger, and uh, you can only use one, uh, and the guy has like a gun in his hand. He's like, "Well, I'm just going to pick my trigger finger with my gun." He's like, "Well, I'm going to pick my thumb to utilize it," and the guy's still pour- pouring out alcohol as they're talking because he can't move. The rule is if you move or you don't use anything other than that, then uh, you lose and whatever. And ends up that Yami picked his thumb because then he could activate the lighter, leave it on top of his hand that's still pouring alcohol. And eventually he's going to have to move because now it's pouring all over him. And he's going to have to move at some point. And if he pulls the trigger, it'll move the it'll move the thing and the fire will consume him. And guess what? That's what happens. And the guy dies. And a lot of people see horrible things happen to them and they just move on. Uh, yeah, it it doesn't really get. It's pretty dark compared to the enemy, which pulled back on on the murder death. Kaiba's also a complete so- sociopath in the manga. He's a lot crueler and evil mm, in yeah. the original. In the anime, he's basically just a jerk. Just Elon. <laughs> he's just a douchebag that can't get over losing a card game one time. Yeah. Yep. Obsesses uh, with them. Actually, you know, I have to fuck seen- dragons. I haven't seen Yu-Gi-Oh! in forever since I was a kid. It kind of makes me want to go yeah. back and rewatch Yu-Gi-Oh! again. Uh, I it's a fun romp. My favorite character was always Joey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always my favorite underdog character. And he also gets a little bit more respect in the anime. Uh, a little bit. And the manga, he also got some respect. He was also a bully for Yu-Gi! In the manga at first. And it wasn't until like Yu-Gi stood up for him later that he realized he was being a dick. Mm. And he ends up getting the medallion pieces and they become good friends later and become like for the rest of the series yeah, yeah um, and and um speaking of Yu-Gi-Oh, one of like the first big things on Yu-Gi-Oh! series that came out like uh around the time of like team four star with the uh, dragon ball z abridged oh and yeah ended up being little karibo yeah, which I think Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged is still ongoing. It is. Actually, it just had its most recent episode last week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he j- after, like, I think, like, a months of hiatus, he just mm. released an episode this week. So it's really sad coincidence that uh-huh. the creator uh, died. Um, but, yeah, he just released another one just recently. Uh, Little Creepo released his own Abridged. Yeah. I mean, it's still ongoing, technically. Team Four Star is still technically ongoing, even though they're not doing the Boo Saga. Mm. Or they will. Who knows? They're just taking a break for a while. Uh, did you ever play uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Dust? I played it briefly. I had still have some cards left over, some rare cards actually. Mm. Um, I'm still holding on to because why not? Um, some of them from like the original first print too when it came to America. But I don't know. I haven't played that stuff in a while, and I'm I've never been much of a card player. But I always thought the monsters' designs were interesting, and it was interesting to watch the phenomena kind of spread. Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like a big thing uh, that caught on. Like I remember trading the cards, uh, playing it. I had a little deck, um, and I kept my cards, man. I kept them nice, man. But 
trading with other kids. I don't know what the fuck they were doing in their cars. They must have shoved you it know. up their ass or something. I don't know. They must have. <laughs> uh, like, they would look like they, they were chewing on it. On them. Huh? They didn't have the fucking card sleeves on them. Yeah, you're supposed to supposed to have you're supposed to have a nice put it in a case because you know if you keep it out for too long and oxygen's gonna get to it, it's gonna fuck up the cards and crease them and yeah, it's just yeah, man, you gotta you gotta take care of them. Um, but I haven't played it. I don't even know how to play anymore. I haven't played in I haven't played since I was probably in seventh. Oh, grade. the game has changed so much; it wouldn't even be the same. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No, it's I, it's completely changed as a game. Hmm. Yeah, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening now. Uh, all that shit. So, um, yeah. Uh, and also with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh had that great theme. I'm playing it right now on stream. Yeah. That theme was was a banger. Uh, that's for it's sure. Time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think, uh, Nick, I think he'll like what I'm playing on stream if he looks at the video. I think he'll like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love this video. This is my favorite example. I love it. Oh, man. I love that video. That's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, I love that video, man. Uh, if somebody is listening, it was uh, the video where you have, like, I guess it's like a birthday party or. Something like that, I guess, or some kid's birthday party, and you have Woody from Toy Story. Yeah, it's like a kid's birthday party. They got Woody, and he's just, like, busting out. He's, like, dude, you got fucking served. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> he's serving up some fucking eight-year-old, you know, fucking dance, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, uh, Yeah, that theme song is a fucking banger. Yeah. And it's occasionally got it right. And even the uh, e- even the uh, spinoff shows like a uh, uh, GX and Five Ds, those still had their. Mo- oh, they do still have their fans. They do mm-hmm. still have their fans. Yeah, GX is okay. Five Ds is. Li- hmm. Five Ds is nuts. Uh, there's also is there's also series there, Yeah, there's also series past that as well, like VX or some crap or whatever. It kept on going. It got more anime as it went along and stopped loot. What's interesting about Yu-Gi-Oh! is what started off as kind of being this weird mesh of like Egyptian mythology in a card game and like a pharaoh that possessed a guy just kept on going and then just said, ah, screw all that. The money's where the card game is. Dude, just kept on pushing it. <laughs> and, and just, like, dudes blatantly cheating at this card game. Oh, my God, yeah. They actually, it was, it's always funny to watch the discrepancy on the anime and be like, uh, four star, Team Stars had a good time where he brought out the, it was Yamiyuki against um, Cell. And he's like, a duel to the death and a fight for, fight for victory. Finally, someone who understands me, who understands what this is all about, the fight. Now break like, out your fight cards. You. He's like, I got your cards here. What? And then, like, throughout the entire deck, he's like, nope, that's banned. And that one's banned. And that man is banned. He's like, your half your deck is banned. He's like, screw this. And he just leaves. Yeah, that's been banned since 2003. Um, Pot of Greed, 2006. Monster Reborn, 2010. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, oh, to hell with this. And he just leaves. Uh, I showed some footage uh, a little bit of people playing in a tournament, Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament, uh, them kind of doing that, which is... Okay. There was this, there were these jackasses that sometimes come out with, like, a thousand decks. Like, a literal 1,000 card deck. Mm. Like, yeah, they're dirt. There are there's, so... Yeah, there's, like, there's a so joke many. on Yu-Gi-Oh! GX about this guy that literally has, like, a 
cowboy's holster full of like eight different decks and he just like rips his fucking jacket open and reveals them <laughs> yeah did you all did you i have the like the what do you call it the uh the thing where you put the cards into like the dual the, disc yeah do you have the that? dual disc <laughs> yeah, i may or may not have gotten uh it's just it's so useless because it'll never hold on yeah it'll never it'll never do whatever i even you i could be like unless it's like tiny magnets on the cards you're never you gonna can't be. fit the fucking cards with the like actors in the disc yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but it's uh, it's sad. Honestly, it's really sad to hear that, especially with such a something like snorkeling. Snorkeling is usually not that dangerous. Yeah, it, it's you don't need oxygen tanks for that. I don't know what could have happened. Uh, I don't know if you got <laughs> hit by an undertow or something. You yeah. didn't realize it. Um, it's really a shame, man. The CNN article I was looking at, uh, they were saying that the investigation is still ongoing, so they're still trying to yeah. figure out what uh, what mm. happened. Yeah, there. man. I hope. But uh, it's my heart goes out to all the fans and the people who remember it, and uh, I hope whoever it's extended family, whoever I wish that my condolences. And man, yeah, we lost a we lost a Mangeko legend. Even if you may not like where it kind of spin off from or what's happened to the series or what it's done for manga or other stuff, you gotta respect the guy for the hustle. Also, he made of his franchise. Also, he basically did the most ambitious cross with Bonds Beyond Time, where you had all three Yu-Gi-Oh! protagonists in the same movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it didn't... Did it. Zuki Takahashi did it first, bitch. He <laughs> did, and it didn't actually suck, apparently. It was just... <laughs> oh, it was pretty okay. In, in the fucking newest one that they made uh, a couple years ago, where it brought back Yugi, that was a legitimately good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Dark uh, Side of Dimensions fucking rips. Eh, too much Kaiba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he literally travels to another dimension. He literally does. Just to, just to, just to fight Yugi as he's disappearing from existence. He can't let go of the fact that he lost a card game. Batman's ego is the size of the planet. Dude God damn it. Creates a, dude creates a fucking space station to solve the Millennium Puzzle for him. He does, basically. Just does it for and him. Dark Side of Dimensions is insane. It is stupid as shit. But it's so much fun. It, it mm. is. If you're wanting to go in with it drunk and not give a crap about it, it is insane anime fun. Um, uh, yeah, man, I just I don't know what else. I don't know what else to say, man. The series yeah. went from kind of like the series is what it is. It's like a it's like a forefather of kind of the crazy stuff we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what other series wants to be. They want to have like, that level of marketing. It was a it was like the beginning of the anime, but it, it was, was like, there during came, it. It was definitely that there. came out. Yeah, that was like around during like the initial Pokemon series yeah. days. That was around during Naruto. That was yeah. when Adult Swim was really blowing up with uh, yeah. its anime hours. Yeah. Because the manga came out in 1996 and the anime came out in 99. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, That also doesn't count the the season zero, which is closest to the manga, where Kaiba had green hair and they had... uh, Yami's a psychopath. Well, yeah. They also had an extra extra character with them as well. She was a a one-off, one-shot character who was there for, like, in the manga for... She was like mm-hmm. interested in love interest, and they decided, ah, let's just make her part of the cast for a bit. And she didn't last. She didn't last long, and then they just they ditched her for the, re- the what is considered the main canon of season one. 
Uh, there's also the Black Eye, uh, Red Eyes Black Dragon had its own little movie. That was like the first movie that came out of that, and that's mm-hmm. about the kid who has the, the rare Red Eyes Black Dragon, and that's its own thing. Joey punches a lot of people in that movie because Joey that's just what he's going <laughs> to do yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Joey G whatever you call him uh, rest in power too yeah, yeah. yeah. rest yeah. in peace sweet prince um, alright moving on we're going to be discussing James Caan uh, James Caan uh, also recently passed away at the age of 82 uh, legendary actor known for his roles as Sonny Corleone and The Godfather, also in the movie Elf, uh, also in the movie Misery. Um, he was also in Brian's Song uh, as well. We played Brian Piccolo, football player. Um, yeah, uh, this was also kind of news out of nowhere. Uh, James Con- I didn't know James Con was that up there. I didn't know he was 82. I didn't know he was that uh, mm-hmm. uh, up there. Uh, looks great, though. I mean, he looked great. Um, you know, seemed like a guy that was uh, moving, you know, out and about. Um, of course, you know, his legendary performance, you know, in things like The Godfather, there we played Sonny, and then, you know, also things like in Misery. Misery is, you know, I think, you know, one of his best performances was in Misery. I mean, that was such a, uh, oh, great yeah. kind of team between him and Kathy Bates. I mean, amazing. Uh, oh, Kathy uh, Bates still gives me chills every time in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, just amazing stuff there. Um... It, you know, I mean, long life. I think eighty-two. When you make it to like eighty-two, I think that's a pretty long life, a pretty great life. Uh, you make it to kind of that age. Um, any thoughts you guys have? Rest in peace. He was one of the greats. Mm. Uh, I mean, even in something small like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, how do you get that good a performance out of that film? Oh, that's another great one. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That is, yeah. Also, I think, yeah, I love that movie, too. One of the best animated yeah, movies. Yeah, that's a good animated movie. <laughs> Where it almost didn't have any right to be as good as it was. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts there, Dusk? I mean, I just... I mean, yeah, the guy was a legend. Still going. Still, I mean, even now, even up to, like, uh, 2021 with Queen Bees and uh, his many roles in television. Lost... The Las Vegas series, it's Ed Deline, uh, which is a good comedy drama series. I mean, voiced himself in Sims. He was all, he's just the kind of character that when you saw him, you're always kind of happy to see him. You're like, oh, okay. It's like, it, like, we keep, god damn it, we keep losing goddamn great character actors. It's mm. pissing me off. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're getting old, man. Get up there. I know, man. I know. Uh, so sad. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, how many uh, people from the original Godfather cast are still around? Anyway, I wonder. Uh, not many. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Godfather. It's becoming. It's almost like now. It's like the Godfather is kind of like Citizen Kane now. It's like, like now the guy like it's like this really really super old movie now. It's like yeah. The further further we get from it, it's like yeah. Uh, cause yeah, Godfather came out in seventy four, right? Se- no, seventy two. Seventy two. Seventy two. Yeah. Yeah, so, he was a sonny, Corleone, yeah. the adopted son. Yeah. Uh, well, we yeah. still got we still got Alfie Pacino. Yeah. Who uh himself? Don't jinx it. Don't uh. Yeah, I don't, know. I know. <laughs> don't Poor jinx Ra- it. I mean, how old is Al Pacino? Oh God, he's eighty two too. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Keep drinking those Jabba Juice, Al. Keep yeah. drinking them. Uh, keep uh, uh, keep going yeah. to Dunkin' Donuts. 
Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Get the Duncan, the Pacino, Duncan Chino. That's Chino. Yeah. Keep drinking. Oh uh, shit. I mean, we still got we still got Robert Duvall. Yeah, Robert Duvall. He was ninety one. Yeah. Uh, shit. Uh, yeah, we're, we're losing them. No. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. We got Diane Keaton. Yeah, Diane Keaton. Yeah, she's still around. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, uh, James Caan, yeah, great uh, actor, amazing actor, um, and another actor that recently passed away, uh, Tony Sekiro, um He was known as Paulie, Paulie Walnuts in the Sopranos series. Um, he died at the age of seventy nine. Um, you all, uh, I can't remember. Did you all see Sopranos? Or no? I have. <laughs> I, I have talked about it. Yeah, yeah. When we did uh, Many Saints in Newark, I was talking about it from perspective of someone who watched it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I mostly know uh, you know Sopranos, obviously a legendary series, great series, highly regarded uh, from top to bottom. The cast was amazing. What kind of uh, were your thoughts uh, on him on the series and his legacy he, in general? God, <laughs> that's that's a loaded ass question. Uh, I mean. I mean, he's a. It's like when I'm a character from like, how do I say this? It's like someone being in The Godfather, and then someone who's in The Sopranos, and then someone who's in the uh, The Goodfellas, or something like that. You have such a, you kind of have such a character performance. You're just gonna show up in other sem- very related stuff, and you're just gonna give a bang out performance. Yeah. Uh, another actor that passed away, oh God, last month. Uh, he was very similar. He, he played one role in The Godfather and The Goodfellas, and he just—that's what he played as a character actor for most of his time, even yeah. up to recently in the Many Saints in Newark. Yeah, Ray Liotta. Yeah. So, Ray Liotta. So yeah, man, it's it's kind of yeah. We lost. Yeah, yeah. Can't go. Stand. Yeah, we got Ray Liotta too, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and also uh, just this year. So uh, what was his name? Uh, Damn, Kimberly Blinken. Uh, from Civil War, uh, Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, right, right. Uh, dang Hurt. It. Yeah, William Hurt. Yeah, so William yeah. Hurt. Yeah, William Hurt too. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's hard for me to to directly. It's just yeah, he just does a great performance no matter what he does. He's always does something that you're just like yeah. Yeah. What you do always he... remember it? What did he mostly do after Sopranos ended? In Sopranos? No, after a lot of... after uh, oh. after Sopranos ended. I mean, after Sopranos, he did um, he did a lot of um, movie roles. Remember, he was elf. He was an elf. Well, as at uh, the father, Walter Hobbs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot that. He was also in. Um, I don't know if anyone remember uh, remembers that he was also in Viva Lost Nowhere. I mean. That's barely anyone remembers that shit. Although that that was before, that was before Supremes. He was. Um, he's also done voice work too on occasion. Um, I believe he, he like nobody remember him and then some of those stuff. But he's been mostly doing stuff that, you know, just other movies here and there. But yeah, mostly, mostly his early career and then occasionally showing up as a cameo and other stuff and. 
Mm. Uh, the most recent thing I can remember him being in was uh, in a TV series in 2013 called Back in the Game, but that didn't last long. Mm. Okay. Uh, he was a newly divorced. Uh, it was about like a newly divorced single mother who moved back home, lived with her ex minor league manager father, and he was pretty good in that. Mm. Okay. Uh, again, it's kind of one of those things where it's like can't really go wrong with him, no matter where he goes, mm. what he does. Yeah. And yeah, man, he's yeah. been mostly doing stuff outside of it. And, same with Rhea Liotta. Like once you kind of typecast it as that, you kind of just keep going. Yeah, uh, I didn't know he was a, he was in an assisted living facility, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, he was diagnosed mm-hmm. with dementia uh, some years ago, so it's kind of sad news to hear about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. So we had some uh, some actors kind of pass away this week. Yeah, some sad news there uh, going on. Uh, but that is our last story of the day. We're going to be back Saturday. Nick and me. Uh, Dusk, he has to work uh, tomorrow. But uh, yeah. Nick and me will be back Saturday uh, with some special guest Elijah. Elijah's going to be coming through from Back to the Topic podcast. Uh, we're also going to have Kasem, a professional MMA fighter, um, expressing his nerdy side. Um, yeah, Instead of throwing them fists, he's going to be throwing them opinions uh, at us tomorrow. Uh, also, Ashley Lynch, critic, um, going to be coming in for the black phone for us. Um, and we're going to have our editor, Matt. Uh, Matt, on his way, is going to be giving that Minions Rise of the Gru uh, review. Uh, thank God that he saw it, so I didn't have to. Uh, he gave his thoughts on that. <laughs> um, but he's going to be coming through for that. Uh, yeah, this was a great show. Thank you guys uh, for joining me. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. Be on. Always fun. Um, I'm going to find somebody to raid and then I'm going to be getting out of here. Uh, but like I said, tomorrow we're going to be coming back, right? We're going to be reviewing, uh, Lightyear, uh, which is, would you say, I guess you could say it's a spinoff of the Toy Story franchise, Toy Story spinoff of the Toy uh, Story. I think sure. they said that this is the movie that Andy saw that inspired him to buy a Buzz Lightyear toy. Yeah. So would you yeah, say I that's a that shit. spinoff? Or? I'd say that's bullshit. That's complete BS. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll do a spoiler review of Thor, Love and Thunder tomorrow as well. Uh, also, we're going to do an Elvis, uh, the Bosley. Also, to, to correct you, I don't know if you, uh, Tony Sacrio, he was on Soprano. James Conn wasn't. I was referring to Tony, uh, I was referring to Tony Sacrio. We were talking about Sopranos. I don't know if that was clear. I think you thought it was the same person. James well, Conn was in uh, the movies I was mentioning. I think you leaped over to Tony Sacrio when talking yeah 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 because i was yeah because i moved on from james con and talking yeah, about yeah, yeah yeah sorry yeah it's tony sacrio he's done other stuff character stuff that's what i was trying to say is he's moved on to other stuff and then everything yeah but once you kind of play a character like that you kind of just kind of stuck in that role like that you just yeah. keep going it yeah because james con was an elf not tony sacrio yeah and... yeah james con was an elf he was also in those other shows i mentioned but uh that's because I think we're still talking about James Conn. Mm. But yeah, Sopranos, that was Tony Sacrano. I'm sorry. I kind of blinked. That was my bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah, no I don't worries. know why I mixed both of them together. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. Spoiler for Thor, Love and Thunder, Elvis, Black Phone, and Stranger Things. I got to get, get to watch the Stranger Things right now. Uh, I can't have watched that. Good, good luck, bro. Yeah. Uh, how many episodes is it? Three episodes. One of it's an hour and ten. The two others are two hours and thirty minutes. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I gotta watch that. Um. Okay, I'm gonna watch that. 
tonight uh, for tomorrow. I'm going to be doing a spoiler review for Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2. I'm going to be getting into that. Um, it's too late. Anyway, so I'm going to be doing uh, R-rated. I'm going to be rating uh, rated M for Immaturity. They're streaming right now. They're playing Ra- uh, Rabbit Respawn. Don't know what that is. Uh, but that's what they're doing right now. So, yeah, good guys over there. They do great stuff. Uh, so I'm going to be talking to them about it. Um, Nick, where can people find you, man? All right, you can find me on the Twitter and the Instagram. At Night and Day Nick. Um, all right, Dusk, people can find you just on this podcast, right? Yes, sir. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, also, hey, people. Um, you can find us everywhere. Uh, we're on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, all the afternoon tune. And you can check us out also uh, on YouTube, youtube.com, the afternoon tune. If you want to send us an email, send us an email at the afternoon tune at gmail.com. We are wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you check us out on either platform, make sure to leave a good five-star review. That helps boost up the podcast a lot. Um, hey, we're streaming on Twitch, right? Twitch.tv slash Afternoon Tune. You can check us out there streaming every, typically every Friday, Saturday, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to be back to you all this Saturday, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, checking you out with a lot of special guests. Uh, I'm going to be tossing you all to Rated M for Immaturity, uh, playing Rabbit Spawn right now. Uh, but I had a lot of great time. I had a lot of fun talking about this. Um, if you don't come in for uh, tomorrow, Saturday, Friday, we're going to be back. Uh, and Friday, uh, what comes out next week? Uh, I'm trying to think in my head real quick. Um, I'm trying to think of what movie comes out next week. I'm kind of blanking. Um, yeah, but we're going to be back next week, Friday, with something. We're going to be talking about something. We're going to be running our mouths about something. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing the finale for Miss Marvel. Uh, that's coming out next week. Um, we're definitely going to be talking about that. Uh, but, yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Uh, take care. Uh, I'm gonna be rating M for uh, rated M four in maturity right now, and uh, yeah, hope you have a great time. Um, hey, to all you people out there, don't forget to always stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, did you uh, end up watching uh, Stranger Things? Did you see? Did you already see it already? There, dusk part two. No, actually, I, I have not. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're not the only one, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll see you uh, Friday. Do you know uh, like what comes out Friday? I think uh, movie-wise, I don't know. I don't know, brother. I don't know. Yeah. Well, all right, man. I'm gonna let you go, man. All right. Take care. All right, brother. Yeah. Take care. Try not to stay too late. Have a good night. Have a good night.